And so, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Rantcast, episode 33. I am your host, the magical Mr. Mephisto, the man with every opinion unlocked, achievement unlocked. Uh, tonight, I'm actually joined by uh, two guests from the Wide World of Wargaming uh, War podcast. Uh, on my left, uh, should hopefully be your left as well, uh, I've got uh, Garrett. And uh, in the taking up the middle of the screen, well, Garrett, say hi, hi to everybody. Let them get. To Howdy, me. everybody. And in the middle here, we've got John. Uh, hey, how's it going, everybody? Let's get this thing started off right. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, so, for those of you listening that might be listening back, he just poured a, a proper whiskey uh, into a tumbler with a with a, a the key, the ball of ice. Actually, I have those myself. So, so what are you drinking oh, yeah. tonight, man? Uh, I'm enjoying a little St. George's single malt whiskey from uh, St. George's Distillery up in Alameda. Ooh, ooh, sounds tasty. So single, it is tasty. So it is a really cool distillery, actually. It's uh, it's in a hangar. That's the one that's in a hangar on the uh, the airstrip outside Alameda Bay, right? Yeah, the the former Alameda Naval Air Station. In fact, uh, when I was in the service, I flew out of there on a C five <laughs> up to Washington. <laughs> And our airplane actually lost an engine on the way up to Washington. We had to make an emergency landing in Portland. That was the first time I ever went to Portland. Oh, my God. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so so you guys are kind of spread. You're, you're spread out a little bit. You're not both. Uh, I got the sense that some of the uh, some of the podcasters are very much West Coast, but you are on the on the East Coast. Uh, yeah, um, about three years ago, my wife got a job out near Washington, D.C., so I moved from California out towards D.C. So you, you may, and through the magic of the internet, you've maintained yeah. your, <laughs> your Yeah, exactly. Right on, right on. And and uh, G-Dad, man, I can't say kick the tires and light the fires. I'm fairly certain Doom and Darkness has that uh, trademarked, and every time <laughs> I would say that, I don't want like 25 cents or $25 because <laughs> I don't know the conversion rate on that. Um <laughs> Um, so we're already like you, you drinking the whiskey right there, John helps us Absolutely. come in, come in hot immediately about, I think the most important meta in age of Sigmar right now, which is the whiskey meta. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as you know, most of the top players, uh, enjoy whiskey, uh, as it were, uh, I, I know you weren't able to make it out there last year for the BAO, but I'm also the uh, the TO for the Age of Sigmar portion of the Bay Area Open uh, by Frontline Gaming there. And I think every three or four tables during the BAO, we had some sort of a bottle on the table. And of course, Mr. Jeremy Vessier with a beautiful bottle of Japanese whiskey the whole time. Uh, and then somebody actually had a pony keg in the corner, one of those old growlers. So you had your choice of, of growlers or whiskey uh Needs to say, it was a, a great tournament. <laughs> wow! Wow! See, see, that's that. So you've already put one of my fears of like coming out to the out to that that sort of tournament region to bed, which is like, will I be allowed to drink at the table? Because if if I can't drink and throw dice, probably you know, like I'm just my heart's not in it. <laughs> yeah, games take too long if you can't get something to speed up those decisions a little bit that's right that's right like throw, lower the inhibitions and uh and the uh get that sort of fuck it i'll take the 12 inch charge that i shouldn't sort of mentality going to really have some fun that's right <laughs> after three whiskeys you either think you made it or don't care there you go there you go, there you go. so so you did uh see so, so john you actually did did the shout casting at lvo this this past go this was your first time shout casting um, yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, 
out here on the West Coast, uh, Scott Reed is the TO for uh, like the SoCal Open and the LVO, plus a lot of events in Southern California. And he and I began running events about the same time in the second year of Age of Sigmar. Okay. So we've always had a, a big connection of attending each other's events, uh, sharing tournament packs, tournament concepts, scoring concepts. And he came up to the winter war that I ran in December. And while he was up here, he said, hey, by the way, John, would you be interested in doing the shout cast for uh, the Age of Sigmar at the LVO? And I said, well, maybe let me check with something. And so I immediately got hold of my partner, Garrett, here and said, hey, Garrett, I've been asked if uh, maybe I would do the shoutcast. And I myself am only interested in doing it if you're going to be my partner. <laughs> right, right. And, and well, so I think Garrett, what you actually said. Is it what were your exact words when I? Well, I think I think what what you said is you put into our uh, little group chat with the Wide World Wargaming. You were like, Scott asked me if I wanted to do the shoutcast, and I'm looking for somebody to join me. And I was like, John, you mean me, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. And then you said to me, Yo, well, I want to play, and I said back to you, Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, for those of you uh, tuning into Rantcast here, the the way this episode actually came to be was was Garrett. Somebody tagged me saying you were going to do the shoutcasting. Yep, that's my boy Sergio. Yeah. So Sergio tagged you and said I should have you on Rantcast and we could talk Mm -hmm. about shoutcasting. I went awesome. I used to shoutcast esports. So, so, uh, so I'm like, oh yeah, man, this is really cool. We could have like a little point counterpoint, talk about how shoutcasting Age of Sigmar is different from my experiences, shoutcasting some fighters and, and MOBAs and shooters and stuff like that. And we can really get into it. And then of course you leave your buddy hanging high and dry <laughs> and we have to yeah. call it audible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and not just Garrett. I mean, Garrett, Garrett, well, we could talk about that as much as we want, but also, uh, there was another person, Adon Tejada. Uh, was also supposed to join me of the Lords and Heroes podcast. And he unfortunately fell ill. He was letting us know before the event that he was ill, ended up being hospitalized and never made it to the LVO. So going into the LVO, looking at eight, you know, games of streaming, I had come up with a schedule that had nobody doing more than two games a day, allowed for some breaks, allowed for me to start late on Sunday so I could, you know, get my whiskey on Saturday right, night. Right, right. Whiskey meta. And um, yeah, none of that happened. So I, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so it's it's me. And uh, luckily, uh, Scott had another guy died there by the name of Roger. Uh, so Roger came and joined me. A great guy out of uh, Missouri, I guess. And uh, we got along great. And so uh, he helped me out for a few of the casts. But uh, he kind of had his own thing. He would, Unfortunately, he was in a wheelchair. Uh, because of some foot surgery, so it was kind of limited how much he could get around and stuff. Right. So you couldn't really exactly have man on the street style coverage of him like wheeling around the tables and no, not quite. No. Uh, this is actually this this story here actually really parallels one of my one of my stories when I was getting into shoutcasting. I have a friend uh, who's uh, well, he goes his handle is Mister Mister Eggroll on the internet on the internet. Um, like, I ended up, like, solo casting a day, too, like, sweating, and was like, oh, God, like, I'm running the tournament, and I'm shoutcasting, which is, <laughs> I don't care what the game is, shoutcasting is kind of, in and of itself, a job, and if you compile yes. that with the actual tournament organizing, which is a job, like, it gets really overwhelming, 
And so luckily my, my partner Molly or Lulu as she's known uh, often to the to the stream, uh, Lulu was there to like kind of back me up on like the logistics of, of pairing and bracketing and we had some software nice. that helped us do the bracketing and stuff. So she just I taught her on the fly how to input all that. Um, and and uh, and the gentleman who had been playing came up and he's like, hey man, you need help shoutcasting and he just happened to be great at it. Like, <laughs> like, nice. great at it because my the guy who was going to help me shout cast got pulled to go run the uh, the Street Fighter and Pokemon like Pokin or whatever the fuck it was tournament. Um, oh, okay. And uh, and so we just like it was just weird. And so like one of like this guy I have contact with to this day every now and then when I uh, when I fall off the wagon and play another League of Legends game, uh, like I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll group up with my buddy and and so it's it's kind of cool how you can have these these sort of like moments of like kind of disaster and in something really great. And so, um, Oh yeah. I, that, I think that's what happened there. I mean, honestly, uh, I think Garrett and I would have been an amazing team up there, but the other side of it is Garrett and I were, were really talking. We we're like, okay, so we're, we're kind of, you know, tactical analysis focused. Oh, uh, so you got commentators. two. So you got, and so we're like, yeah, how, how much can we really say, and how much, like, can we point these out? But none of that was moot, because when I'm sitting there at that table doing the shoutcast, the one thing I can't see is anything that's happening on that table. Like, unless the players are telling me the score, the turn, I have no idea what's happening on that table. So <laughs> there was no chance that we were going to give up any secrets uh, by what we were doing. Right, yeah, right. also, unfortunately, the way the stream was set up, the, the shoutcasting desk was actually really close to the table. So one of our initial concerns was, like, if we yes. talked too loud about, like, saying something, we didn't want to like give away a tactic or tell yeah. a player how to play the game and so we were kind of like really cagey going in originally like how much are we able to say like because i i would have i prefer a shout cast where you have more commentation maybe less of the players but like in this instance i don't know how possible that would have been given the setup um because in the unfortunately in the at the lvo the 40k kind of took precedence and so the gw gw was streaming the 40k streaming 40K so they kind of <laughs> yeah they kind of they kind of were able to take up more of the real estate and so we were given the space we, we got a good space but it was not as we didn't get like an uh, you know a shout casting desk over to the side where we can then see things separately it was we were kind of given what we got right yeah so and it was it wasn't too bad but like you said yeah there was there was just no way I could see what was happening. But but on the other hand, realizing that, uh, I coached the players before every game. And I, and I really talked to them. I emphasized that, hey, when we're playing Age of Sigmar on the live stream, we want to emphasize the above-table game. I want to see gentlemanly behavior. I want to see you guys declaring what your roles are, what you're going for. I want to see you pointing things out to each other. And most importantly, I want to hear you guys talking to each other. I want to hear banter back and forth. I want to hear jokes between you. Mm -hmm. And every one of my pairs of players stepped up. And, and you listen to the live stream. The players were talking nonstop through all the games. And really, it wasn't much for me to say. In fact, if I wanted to say something, I had to literally turn down the player's mic so I could talk instead of them. Yeah, yeah. See, that's actually uh, one of the things I heard you say is, like, you, you're t t teaching them to declare, like, declare intent. This yes, is declare just... intent. This is just a great practice in the game of Age of Sigmar. It covers oh, yeah. everybody's butt, play, quote unquote, playing by intent. It's it's useful and for, it's funny that it's useful for for a shoutcast because the worst thing for a shoutcast is gasp, dead air, like that. You never want <laughs> dead air, right? right. Um, 
So so teaching them to like the players to essentially become your your dead air filler was is that's just good that's just good practice. But also you're teaching them to play the game of Age of Sigmar a little bit better. Um, I want right. to circle back to this above the table play concept real quick. So Garrett, oh, sure. while you left your buddy hanging high and dry, <laughs> what were uh, what were you doing at LVO? What was your capacity there? Because you weren't. Uh, yeah, uh, Scott read the doing... to. You what were you doing there? Uh, I was doing a lot of stuff for the entire LVO as a whole. So um, I was helping run tech support for BCP throughout the event of uh, all the game systems, 40K, Kill Team, Age of Sigmar. And then I was also uh, being kind of an interim judge for Scott. I, he, I was given a, a judge's shirt so I can walk around and do table judging um, and just kind of being a presence to be around. Uh, my work stuff did pull me away that I wasn't able to dedicate a two-hour period to the stream. I kind of had a lot of intermittent maybe half hour there 30 minutes so i was never able to do the shout casting but uh i was able to be around and just be helpful to everybody at the con in general right on right on yeah and you you did hang out with me for a little bit too yeah every now and then i come check in with john and be like hey how's it going what's going on check in on the stream make sure everything's going good i'd help uh for the first couple of rounds i did help john find people to stream uh we, we decided like okay what armies look good what do we think will uh work out um, what players we want in there. So I did help John with that. Um, and yeah, so I, I kind of just doing my normal stuff whenever I go to conventions and not play where it's like, I just am a able body hand that can help out and then provide tech support as needed. Well, that, that's actually, yeah, I, I would say Garrett, that you were literally the only person going into the LBO that thought there was a chance you would actually get to play. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. Yeah. That's that's interesting because you're on the tech side. You you are like you're the architect of one of the uh, software apps they use, right, Garrick? Yeah, I've, I basically do everything except for the Android development. Right on, right on. Um, so uh, one of the questions I actually had was, how did you go about picking featured matchups? Because I know from my from when I would to we would usually pick the best seated at, mm-hmm. at the event to be like this is our feature matchup, but we would bump those feature matchups if there was a rivalry. So if there's like so, a rivalry you know about, you go, you've got to put the rivalry on camera. So it's, the, it's a- the, the, the fun thing about Age of Sigmar is that, especially in the early rounds, the seeded matchup is not always Nothing. a great matchup. Right. Because you could end up getting a top-tier player playing someone who happened to win round one, and it's just a blowout game. Right. And so you, that's really bad content. And so usually what you do for the first three rounds is you try to find good-looking armies yeah. That might be in the middle of the brackets or like what would be a good person on the stream. Cause that's the yeah, other thing is people. Mm-hmm. That's, I, that's the other thing is since, you know, the stream has a lot of visuals to it and this is a very visual game, try to find armies that you think will pop well on the camera and just look good and be fun for everybody to look at and watch. And this is where um, Natasha, uh, Natasha uh, Thomas's IDK came in. You just, this mm-hmm. is a stunning looking army and you wanted that. Yeah. On the camera. And she ended up winning best painted at the tournament actually. So it was like, I'm really glad that we were able to pick her to be on round right. two. Cause like her army was gorgeous. Like we, we saw her and we had to find an alternate and we're like, cause the other thing, what we did is, because we don't know, we picked their matchups before they we knew what their opponent would be. So we'd pick one person, and then we would check after pairings were generated who are they playing. And if they're playing somebody who doesn't have the best of looking armies, or this is not going to be a good matchup, we had an alternate that we would then try to see if they would have uh, a better matchup that we could stream. Okay, and you you didn't mess around with the, the pairings, the brackets. You just, no, you we just we go. just no. 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we decided to just pick one person and then see who they're playing, see if it's okay, and then go forward. I see. Which right. it, everyone there ended actually, up. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was actually offered that that some minor changes could be made, but you got to understand that that Garrett and I take pairings and yes. aspects of tournament very seriously it's, and would not want to be involved with anything that could be you construed don't want any gray as, area. as skewing yes. anything. Yeah, yes. so just yeah, keep stay it away from it. Board. That's where we would do. Um, like we would all we stuck to our random seating. We had to, you know, from mm-hmm. from when I was doing uh, a lot of these. You know, I had a three hundred person age or a League of Legends tournament. You know, like you wow. can't fuck with that. <laughs> you know, like oh. um, uh, you you have to uh, like obey the seatings because you'd end up with with uh, you know, would would I wonder if there's a challenge like this in uh, your tournament scene? But in in League of Legends, you can see people's ranks. So what, it, what people would do is, as soon as they get their pairings, they whip out their phones, they quick start looking up each other's summoners, check the ranks, see that like somebody's got the challenger jungle or the challenger uh, AD carry, and just like start perspiring because you know this this it's <laughs> like uh, and then they'd start like because you're going into like uh, at a lot of the tournaments I run I would run uh, you know this is not the LCS or the national level event mm-hmm. this is you know, uh, Midwestern tournament scene at, at anime Milwaukee or, or, um, you know, uh, Yumacon where they have a s- insanely great fighter scene. Like, uh, these are kind of blind metas. Regional players know each other, but like you come into this big event where there are cash prizes, which is something I like pray we stay away from in age of Sigmar. Um, it would pull in people from anywhere. You're going into a blind meta and, the only thing you have is the app checking people's people's rankings. Do you see any of that happening where, where people whip out the, the, you'd be like, Oh, am I playing against the guy with this many ITC points or whatever it is? No. Well, you got to remember that people are whipping out things cause they're pulling out the app and they're looking at lists and probably uh, performance. I think, okay. Okay. but yeah. as far as worrying about rank, I think that the top players are well known. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Right. And top, if you're top, not top one of those sense. top players, you maybe don't care. You know, one one small fun thing when we're talking about picking the the players is, uh, Garrett, do you remember how we uh, we told the people who was going to be on the live stream? I yeah. Have, so um, yeah, go going into this event, we were uh, using Scott decided to use the ITC code of conduct, which is issuing yellow cards for bad behavior oh. and a, possibly a red card for getting kicked out of the event. If you're, which was act, there was actually a red card issued on the uh, 40k because a guy got three yellow cards and he was kicked out. Okay. Um, oh. So we were using that, and like you got a yellow card if you submitted your list um, after the deadline. There was a couple ways to get yellow cards. And so uh, John decided he actually brought like plastic yellow and red cards. And (laughs) as they were playing, so like at the end of round one, we went over to Natasha's table and slapped down a yellow card. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, don't worry. You're just going to be on the stream next. (laughs) Oh, Oh, so you were like gaming. Oh, I see. So you're like sort of uh, uh, joking on or riffing on the uh, the yellow cards. Yeah, it was fun. I I, I guess I want to rewind a little bit. Uh, and we can, you know, anytime shoutcasting is pertinent, bring it up by any by all means. But I um I don't know a whole lot about LVO personally. I'm I'm the uh, I'm the the person you're talking to, and in teaching me, <laughs> we will teach a bunch of people listening to Rantcast uh, uh, about about LVO and, and how it's run. Uh, where are the soft scores in? How do those how do how does LVO handle their soft scores? Because it does seem like a, a devalue the soft scores a little bit more of a uk vibe i i get that from the internet so actually um scott did so what they do is they give out different prizes for different um 
awards. So you have your best painted for all the, for just a painting award. You have the best sportsmanship for the person who's the best sportsmanship. They have the best generalship award, which is the one that is more prominent paid attention to but there is a renaissance man award which is the best combination of all of them and he set up his soft scores uh to use his soft scores his uh paint scoring metric and his uh sportsmanship scoring metric and he made sure that 50 percent of your renaissance score was uh, a combination of your paint and sportsmanship so this is a, this is a separate this is a separate category. If you showed up to LVO, you're like, oh, I want to play for the Renaissance score. You have to Yes, like- you could do that. And that is yes. 50%, 50% of the Renaissance man is paint and sportsmanship. Um, I think it was like 75% of that 50% was paint. And then the other 25% was sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like, so there's a total of 100 possible battle points. And so using his... Uh, rubric uh for the paint he found he did the math to multiply his paint scores and his sportsmanship scores to make it so that they equated to 50 percent with a 75 25 breakdown between them and as far as uh you know awards the renaissance award is as good as the best general award you get just as good of a trophy you get just as good prize support same thing with best paint and best sportsmanship they are all equivalent under the eyes of frontline gaming they all believe all of those awards should be given the same Mm. uh amount of pride support and effort uh it's just tech people tend to pay attention to the best generalship since that is what people are looking for at a competitive tournament well this, this is a, this is we we see this this common thread uh, mm-hmm. i think just age of sigma commentary in general like the common parlance the the shared lexicon we talk about this game and tends to be competitive mm-hmm. even yeah like we, we we talk about competitive just like all the talking heads, all, a lot of the podcasters. I mean, there are certain absolutely exceptions, and you know, like Doug Tuplas Tough is a fantastic exception. Um, but like, usually it's like when we talk about just something, it's almost always in the this unit is good because competitively it's good, not because exactly. it, it looks great out the box and it's a fantastic, script, right? Right? But the, you got to figure that that nobody, or I should say, everybody is competitive as soon as the dice roll. Like, I don't care how narrative fluffy i don't want to play hard you say you are the moment you roll dice you're competitive don't don't lie to me i i i i I could see some some disagreement there um i think i think i will agree with you on that if there is a game with a win condition at the very least people are cognizant of the win condition yeah exactly whether whether you go ahead i think in, in in i sort of disagree with john on that but it's all in the i could also agree is you 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 are competitive for your win condition. Like I I mean I've played around with the uh, narrative guys at Nova who run the narrative tournament and it sounds awesome. And honestly, the people there, their goal is to win the best narrative. They were like they will say you know screw that I'm not going to make this optimal charge because I'm going to go kill Gortrek. Right. And they will like chase down yeah. a rabbit hole to go do that. But yeah. that's their win condition is to kill Gortrek. Right. right. And so they're super competitive about making sure they kill Gortrek. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, like if you're playing so, corn, for instance, and you just go hero hunting, and that becomes your win con for the game is to kill exactly the like. For yep. I don't Nobody think everybody goes. Says, Man, I hope I miss with all of these. Oh darn, I caused wounds yeah. and hits. Yeah, J- John is right that as soon as dice are being rolled, you everyone is competitive. But I think there is a difference in what you are competitive about. Right. Yeah. So he, everyone has a different goal in right. mind, yeah. which is that that's that's where not everybody is looking to win match play missions. That is not right. what we mean by everyone becomes competitive. We mean nobody actively tries to lose. 
That's yeah, what John well, means by everyone becomes competitive. <laughs> yeah, and, and and even on the flip side of that, like you say you're playing against a new player or teaching somebody, even then, I might not be trying to win, but I am actually trying to prevent or give them that a little bit of tension, well, you need them a little bit learn. of stress, mm-hmm. and you need them to learn. So you're, you're there's still a goal that you're going for, even if your goal isn't the, quote, win on the table. For me, in those cases, the win is that the person I'm teaching had fun. And, and they the learn. Game. And they learn the game. Yeah. I mean, and they had, maybe were challenged a little. Like, right. you don't want to just throw the game so oh, that no. they don't learn Well, they anything. don't learn anything that Challenge, way. Yeah. You don't, exactly. learn that, you don't learn the game that, that, uh, that way is, is the problem. No, I, I think this comes back to, like, one of my core philosophies about Age of Sigmar is, like, we are a social game. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the most social games out there. And we do have a, a strong competitive scene. Um, we have the power to set our expectations of gameplay obviously at the lgs this is probably where it's the most pertinent i think because you know i'm gonna i know my people at at an lgs i know hey man you want to go play saturday and then and then that next step is like i want to test my bone reapers or um i'm trying out this new tech for my list or i don't know man i just want to throw dice i've had a bad week like setting that expectation of what type of game you want is is really important in this game now i feel when you go to a, go to a tournament that expectation is sort of automatically set by the nature oh of the yeah game. exactly yeah. like a tournament you, you are signing up for a competitive event where the goal is to win the event compet like from a winning the missions point of view and the mission packet sets those win conditions right which i, th- I think that i think the player packet is the most important thing because certain events will be a tournament but they will set the win conditions to be you need to have a well-painted army. You need to be a good sport. That, that could be the win conditions of the event, which means that is your goal. You need to have the best painted army. You need yeah. to have the best sportsmanship and win best in missions. If that, that is what the player, that's what the tournament guidelines have set as the win condition. Everyone is set towards that win condition. I, I agree with Tomb King Tristan here. He likes the fact that you have a fort with a dog in it. This is this looks yes. like a puppy. <laughs> it, it, this is my eleven-week-old uh, little puppy that I am help that I'm raising. The so, land uh, shark, as you called him. Yes, the little land shark. Uh, he, yeah, I have to have a little fort because, um, you know, he puppies wander and nah, um, nah, 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 and he just goes out and just chews like a, a newsy hat that you have laying around no, he, or something. He, he's destroyed two seventy-dollar Apple computer charges already. Yeah, yeah, back to back. Like, literally, he destroyed it on Friday, drove over, got a new one on Friday, and then he destroyed it Saturday morning. So I had to go Saturday and get a new one. It was bad. It was like, oh, my God. He's got the taste. No, He's got, it, it's like yeah, one, got the taste for two. blood. <laughs> <laughs> no, my um, – uh, good evening, Buckets. Welcome to the – welcome to Chat Gang. Um, no, my uh, – my my puppy, um, Corey, she's she's like twelve years old now. But when she was a puppy, it was uh, Xbox, uh, three hundred and sixty controllers. She, <laughs> yeah, she oh. didn't chew up my PlayStation three controllers. She went after the Xbox controllers specifically every time. I'm just like, all right, I get it, but I don't think the console rolls, the console wars are real. I own both of them. Clearly, I'm. <laughs> I'm well, she, she picked a side. <laughs> she picked, yeah, but but she yeah, my my Corgi, she picked a side. <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's not only puppies because because you know garrett and i both had some uh some tragedy over the summer with uh with our pets mm-hmm. uh and so i myself um so i just a small story is i uh have a uh, had a cane corso that i had full protection training uh, i had it for 10 years uh very high end training with this dog so great animal uh, had to put her down uh, fortunately to bone cancer over the summer Aww. and so it was a, it was a big loss 
And I decided that I myself wasn't going to get a new puppy until after the LVO when I had time to commit to the training, like the type of training that I, I like to engage in with a dog, right? Um, but we get into October and my wife's like, hey, man, I think I want a dog now. And I looked at her and I go, you know, I don't ask your permission before I buy a new Age of Sigmar army. So <laughs> if you want a dog, that's on you, right? And she's mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, but I don't want a puppy. I want to avoid having it chew on stuff and all those hassles. So we, we go down to the, the shelter. We rescue a, a beautiful 95-pound uh, American Staffordshire Terrier, uh, bring him home, five years old, great dog, already knows a bunch of verbal commands, seems great. And then the first day, chews up about half the living room when we went to work. <laughs> oh, well, that's that anxiety. He's in the house by himself for more than a couple hours. He finds something to gnaw on. I'm like, oh, crate training, like, man. I guess we didn't avoid that. Yeah. Crate training. No, we we have yeah. a so we, we have two dogs. We have a our corgi and we have our Weimariner. Our Weimariner cannot be left alone. He's just like he he's. If anyone knows anything about the Weimariner brand, uh, or brand breed, <laughs> um, they Fair are enough. they're very pack loyal. They like he's the dumbest dog I've ever met. <laughs> but, like, because he wants to be a, a human and be part of the human pack, he's very good at emulating the behavior. So, like, he'll sit on a couch with his, like, his his ass on the couch and his, like, forefront, his paws on the floor. Like, he's oh, sitting like great. a human. Because he's just, he's just copying awesome. us. And, like, but he'll still, like, you know, he goes for a, a walk and he'll, like, run through a fence and just, like, knock himself unconscious. And just, like, <laughs> okay, so... Oh, that's uh, great. <laughs> but yeah. first, uh, first rabbit hole of the night. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Mm. He is cute, though. What a cutie. Don't give him that beer, though. No, <laughs> no. He, he already has problems with his decision making. So, so He looks like a whiskey dog to me anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, the, he's got the W in the name anyway. The, the Weimaraner. Right. Um, no, so, so uh, you know, we started out talking about the whiskey, uh, the, the whiskey meta, but I want to talk a little bit about about the wide world of wargaming, um, obviously you two have some some serious camaraderie. Um, sure. That, uh, how did your podcast begin, and then how did that take you into LVO, to where you do sure. you end up in this position to shoutcast and stuff like that? Let me let me start with this one, Garrett, and then I'll let you you kind of get into the meat and potatoes of it. So okay, th this story starts I want to say six years ago when. <laughs> So Garrett, just before, before Age just, of Sigmar for perspective, this would be... Exactly. Garrett and the rest of the Left Coast Corsairs that year each won Best of Factions in 40K. And that was the year that I won Best Dark Angels in the ITC as well. And I saw the Left Coast Corsairs standing together with their Best of Faction trophies, taking a team picture. And there I am standing by myself with my Dark <laughs> Angels trophy. And I said, you know what? That's the team that I should be part of. And I already knew about half the guys on the team and ladies, actually. And so I went up and said, hey, I want to be on your team. Took about three months to get me voted in. I think I was actually uh, voted, wow, not voted in. Wow, voted in. This, I is, a second time. this is serious business. This is like, oh, yeah, this is a real club now. Oh, shit. Like, uh, all right. So voted yeah. in. Anyway, continue. So I'm voted in. So that's that's the past. So then Garrett and I, good friends for many years, teammates competing in 40K, when Age of Sigmar came out, uh, we were both uh, burnt out on 40K for different reasons. That was the year that um, at Adepticon, some uh, famous players got busted for some cheating. Mm -hmm. 
And the concept of cheating at a major event by a top player, I, I, I just can't even fathom. It. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like putting a cheat code into a video game. Why play the video well, game if you're going to use a cheat if, code? If I may, I, I, um, I think there's a, a gentlemanly quality to our game that yes. is, is I, I've, I think you could do cultural studies on the Age of Sigmar player mentality because they just, they're a different caliber of player. Um, I right? often think of them like like having the like snifters of brandy or glasses of or tumblers of whiskey in hand, <laughs> yes. you know, with like the with like the little pew pushing their minis around, like capital move, chap, capital move, and like them taking a sip, you know, like I like they they just they they have this 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 inherent uh, like gentlemanliness, kindliness, like I don't know what it is, fair yeah. sense of fair play, and. Yeah. And there's a stigma around 40k bringing their cheaty face cheaterness into our game or whatever, and and uh, so like, but even so, there's no massive prize pool even for 40k. So I don't know why people would would cheat why? to try why? to win a, a literal trophy and bragging rights. If you, especially yeah, so. if cheating to get your bragging rights, you will forever know at the back of your mind, yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> you didn't right? earn it legitimately. I don't get it. Like, so whatever it. insecurity causes you to, like, need a trophy to validate yourself, because we all have our insecurities, face it. Uh, yeah. I need the validation. Hit like and subscribe, by the way. I started a Patreon. Go follow that. <laughs> um, like, it, the, like we, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we all have these, like, these little, like, things, these little insecurities or, or chinks in our armor that we, we have to cover up. And, you know, getting that validation is awesome. But, like, if, if you have that drive to, like, get the trophy, something's causing you to need that. And you're always going to know if you got that trophy in an untoward manner that just that 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 part that eats at you is going to tell you you don't deserve this. So I don't get, I just I fundamentally don't get it. Obviously, people no. do it, but I fundamentally don't get it personally. Yeah, I uh, so, I actually so if I may, if I may, Garrett, yeah, 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 go so ahead. I'm just going to finish my story real quick and I'm going to let Garrett take it away. So that was two months before the first General's Handbook came out. General's Handbook came out. Garrett and I were talking kind of sharing conversation about frustration over cheating and we both decided to go for it and play age of sigmar mm -hmm. garrett take us to the podcast from there so fast so yeah basically we both come from competitive 40k gaming and we both jumped into the age of sigmar and then fast forward what three four years yeah five years <laughs> fast meantime, forward a few garrett years has won best itc in age of sigmar right yeah we got happened. um so fast forward a couple of years and we've started pulling more corsairs in age of sigmar i've realized that age of sigmar is the game i always wanted to play because i didn't like the mechanics of warhammer fantasy i totally agree that other people love it i like i didn't like the wheeling and turning i liked the more skirmishy style but i love fantasy and i don't actually like sci-fi as much and so when i started playing age of sigmar i was like this is the game I've always wanted to play. 40k was not the game I always wanted to play. So I got in, and then we decided to, uh, a buddy of ours decided to start a podcast with different game systems. He was going to do 40k, X-Wing, and since a lot of us uh, of the Corsairs had switched over to Sigmar at that point, he's like, well, start a, uh, Age of Sigmar 1. And so we got, it was, uh, Alex became the spearhead of the Age of Sigmar side, because he was working with our uh buddy vince he's so alex basically one of the producers of the podcast and he wanted to grab as many of the people who he, within his 
circle that he knew were knowledgeable about Age of Sigmar competitively to go forth. And so he got John, uh, he got me, and he got Jeremy, uh, our buddy Matthew Pashby as well. And so we just started recording together. Personally, I like I had moved to the East Coast at this point, so I was uh, a little farther away from them. And I kind of was like, you know what? I'll gladly spend an hour a week chatting about Sigmar all with you guys. I mean, I would spend 80 hours a week talking about Sigmar with you guys. If it's recorded for an hour, sure, why not? So I kind of just started chatting with them, and we started just recording, and I just... I liked that I liked recording once a week as just a way to just chat about Sigmar, get things out yeah, there and yeah. just talk. And that's kind of like, and that's why I started doing it. I was just like, you know what? Like, I don't really care what happens to this podcast. I don't care if anybody listens to me. It's a way to just talk about age of Sigmar for an hour. And if people want to hear what I have to say, bravo. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And so that's how we kind of started the podcast. Um, to answer your question about how we came to LVO, well, um, th- well pa- this pause was my... on the pause on the LVO okay. thing here real quick. Um, uh, real quick here, um, I'm actually very similar in that. So I started out with Warhammer Fantasy Battle when I was mm-hmm. in, like middle school. Um, my gateway drug into everything was like tabletop RPGs. So full disclosure, oh, yeah. there. a lot, a lot of, a lot of chat gang already knows this. Um, tabletop RPGs were like my, they were my thing yeah same here i i played a crap ton of 3.5 dnd in high school and i ended up being the go-to guy to teach people how to play dnd in college yeah, yeah like yeah. it's oh, amazing you, how you many people all... playing 3.0 of dnd well i was okay and and uh the uh, tmnt rpg well you know I I, I I i i'm the youngling over here so fair enough no, i started it yeah, yeah right. I was just saying, and then, like, it's surprising how many people, when you reach college, all of a sudden think, wow, D&D, I want to try that. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's like... <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, yeah, no, so I, I did, a, so I, I got into that, and my buddy who I always played uh, played RPGs with, uh, we were playing a TMNT uh, and a PFRPG campaign, depending on who was available to GM that time, uh, period, and I was sitting at his house making my new character, and I look over on his bookshelf, and he's got fucking the high elf uh dude on the dragon the old like metal mm. looks like fucking oh, violator yeah. from spawn that guy <laughs> and i'm like what is this awesome thing you know like what is this and he's like oh this is warhammer and i'm like warhammer go on and uh you know so fast forward a little bit i i, I started playing warhammer i go off to college and the game of the land is 40k so i start playing 40k I already had a cursory interest in picking up Blood Angels. This is, was, of course, when they were in the Angels of Death Codex. It was Dark Angels and Blood Angels. We say, we shared a book. Um, sure. So I went off to college. I had a cursory interest in them. Whatever, go off to college. They're, they're their own real army by the time I get to college. Uh, so I started playing uh, Blood Angels because you, you kind of, and especially in those times, I think you kind of played what people played in the area. Yeah. Like, like here, yeah. I have the power of the internet. So I can talk about Age of Sigmar all day long. All the, all the time, even though my LGS is very much a 40k LGS. Um, so, so I, um, like, I got into 40k. I, I always, like you, Garrett, I disliked the guessing distances and yeah, spending right? movement to wheel. I always kind of disliked that. So when I was playing 40k, I really did like the, the cleanliness of the sort of skirmish style. And I'm playing Blood Angels, so I'm already playing a pretty assault-heavy army, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. what's the yeah, shooting I played phase? Orcs and Bla- I played Orcs and Black Templars. Like, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah, like, what's what's the shooting phase? Like, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> like I... <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I played, I played 40K into about 4th and 5th edition, and 5th edition is where I think it really... 40K just got, like, started to get really scummy um, around that time period. A lot of... 
Like, mm-hmm. I don't think, to this day, I don't think Age of Sigmar has a power creep because I know the worst of it. Because oh, I played 5th yeah. edition, right? Age of, or because I played 5th edition uh, 40k. Like, because I was there, like, I remember Blood Angels coming out and deep striking my, my Land Raider Crusaders. And then I remember well, I th- them, like, I think level- the other issue... Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, the, the other issue about power creep, I think, is... Um, Power Creep was a bad, was horrible in fifth edition because books came out every six months. Yes, like yeah, they, that's what real Power Creep is. When a book comes out and it dominates for two years, not three months. Like we're looking at three month Power Creeps in Age of Sigmar right now because right. things are so fast. Well, and, and, yeah. the, and the thing yeah, is, see, the, the meta is actually I, wide enough in Age of Sigmar to where, like, first off, I don't think there's Power Creep. I might be wrong now because we could be setting a new trend here. But we had twelve, we had twelve battle tomes last year. The newest mm-hmm. battle tome wasn't always the best battle tome. You know, yeah. Slaanesh so, so no. reigned over the course of, like, six other battle tomes, right? Fact but that was reigned. only six months. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> we got, like... We're never going to see a, a release schedule that ambitious ever again. We're never. We're not getting 12 books in a year. We've Come already on. got two in January. Ah, who knows? Don't make me a liar yeah, this early. Really don't even uh, think they're going <laughs> to slow down this year. Like, who knows? Like, I, like, I want to say the same. We've already got two battle tomes and it's February. Yeah. So what do you want? And there's already like three more announced, and right. it's not even a Defticon yet. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I set the over under at at six point five is what I said for the year. So if you want to, bet there is the... there is seven battle tomes in 2018. Like there was seven in 2018, twelve the, in 2019. Bet, like it depends on what you count to. I don't know that we're going to see that many battle tomes, but I think we're going to start seeing those campaign books. Yeah. And so that's that's the route we're gonna start seeing is is additional rules and little flavor things and just kind of mixing all of that together. Yeah, no, uh, uh, that's my I, thoughts. I, it's funny hearing you guys talk about fifth edition. I, I myself uh skipped all of that with 40k. I actually only started any of these gaming uh in sixth edition. Like uh for me, uh lifetime of not doing this kind of stuff, and then all my kids uh, graduated, went off to college, and uh, my wife was buying me a book. So your, your, your empty nest syndrome was filling it up with tiny plastic men, then, instead of... <laughs> my wife goes to the store and to buy me a book to read, and while she's in there, the, the GW store manager says, oh, hey, if your husband likes reading books like this, maybe he would like to build a model. And wow. so he hands her the Assault on Black Reach kit, and she goes, oh, I remember he has a couple Dungeons and Dragons figures from when he was in junior high school. He'll probably like these. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. No, yeah. And so ten, ten armies later, you know, right, right. I have a room dedicated to it. Right, right. No, see, I so I got out of um, I got out of uh, ooh, JD Esquire. Thank you so much for that Twitch Prime sub. No, I got out of um, so I got out of 40k, and I did what a lot of like I I you know met a girl and started the family and all that stuff. So I, I took a hiatus for about, then about what ended up being about like probably nine years, seven years, something I'd have to run the tape, figure it out. So I missed all of the end times for Warhammer and my oh. buddy, uh, Hey, Whoa, Twitch comes back to, he's, he's like, Hey, remember how we used to, he's like, Hey, remember how you liked Warhammer? And I'm like, I do remember how I liked Warhammer. He's like, you should come play Age of Sigmar. It's good again. And I'm like, oh, well, sign me up. So I, it was like that. And that, you know, now it's been, I think I'm going on three years now in Age of Sigmar myself. So nice. So nice. like, but it's but such a fun game. I mean, it's all you got to do is get somebody to roll dice and play a game well, they, and, and they're hooked. They took the thing like, so they took the, the setting I already kind of liked, cranked it up to 11, which is the, the fantasy. Um, you mentioned Garrett, like you, you like more of the fantasy stuff and you played the sci-fi mm-hmm. stuff. 
I'm similar where, so I write sci-fi as like a writer, <laughs> but I prefer to play fantasy games. It's so weird. Like, but I like to take fantasy tropes and fantasy themes and bring them into science fiction and fantasy. Um, or bring them into sci-fi and make them weird and, like, fucking cerebral. Um, but, like, I don't, like... I know what reality is like, okay? Like, I don't... Yeah. Like, I don't need to play the game that's just, like, reality turned up too much. I want to play the game that takes made-up bullshit and turns it up too much, and that's Age yeah. of Sigmar. But was, that, that's one of the things I really loved about Age of Sigmar. A lot of people were complaining about, like, oh, Age of Sigmar, little guy is not important. And I was like, coming from D&D, I'm like, this clash between gods and, like, giant beings, yeah. and when you die, you just go to a different realm. That's, like, right up my alley with all the D&D oh, yeah. lore. Like, I don't, yeah. like, oh, if somebody dies, they just turn into a Stormcast. I'm like, well, in D&D, if you're kind of good, you die, you go to Valhalla, and you kick ass. Yeah. Like, this, I love that side of the lore, oh, yeah. and that's why I was, like, really actually into the lore of Age of Sigmar over Warhammer Fantasy. Well, see, I, I like Sigmar for similar reasons. It, it reminds me of the... Uh very greek mythology for me like, yes the gods exactly are, the gods yeah. are like actively doing shit mm -hmm. you know and i like, really, really like that actually yeah same same yeah um if you can accept the vagueness of the setting like if you don't need it to be a round planet somewhere mm -hmm. you can accept the vagueness of realms it is a beautiful high fantasy setting and and if people are i think at first were complaining but they didn't realize that gw has actually set up an amazing environment that allows them to tell any possible fantasy story that you can conceive of can be fit somewhere in the mortal realm. Yeah. And so just that alone is, well, is one of those amazing well, the, things. The, the blank canvas that, that the mortal realms kind of are helps you insert yourself. And I was talking about this with, with, with Chuck Moore, Martin Orlando and sure. uh, Paul from the mortal realms podcast. I was talking about the, just the last week, how like that sort of blank canvas really allows you to insert yourself into the age of Sigmar. If you're an RPG nerd, this lets you, this gives you that, like, you can make, no, 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 this isn't my, this isn't a war boss on Maw Crusher. This is my, you know, m like, Maw Crusher. And this is his backstory. And he's just as awesome as, like, Gordrak. Well, just a, a touch removed from as awesome as Gordrak. And he's just, but he's out fighting on this blank canvas area so like of course he, he's removed from the main narrative you, you haven't maybe you haven't heard of him he's a little hipster like <laughs> um so, yeah I, i'd say that 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 what you're talking about right there that's almost a dirty little secret of these kind of games is how much you personify your and and sort of <laughs> internally role play the army you have on the table and and yeah maybe my skaven guys have little names that that only i say to myself and <laughs> And other little little storylines that are going on that uh, would be disturbing if I said them out loud, and and we probably all have a little of that, <laughs> or or is it just me? <laughs> I just I just want y'all to know that I started a flame war in uh, in chat gang here, uh, talking about who the best wizard is. So if you've read Dragonlance, uh, I think it's awesome that he stole power from Fistan Dantalus, and Raceland is the best wizard. I just wanted people listening back on audio to know that Raceland is the best wizard. Fight, <laughs> fight me IRL. So, so yeah, like I, I see there's some commonalities in why we love Age of Sigmar the way we do. Um, I like it's it's the cleanliness of the rules too. I think the skirmish style mm -hmm. over the rank and flank it allows you. The game's already complicated. We're moving in yeah. three dimensions, right? Like we're moving in three dimensions at all time. You don't need to overly complicate this with essentially the math and the movement that an rts would do for me because it's a computer game like i mm -hmm. just want to like quote my friend edric from when i was in sixth grade yeah 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 let's just get to the killing i just 
Like we're gonna deploy well. We're gonna we're gonna you know be sort of chess uh, you know chess geniuses of of deployment and and then from there we're just gonna move our models, take away each other's power pieces, chaff up stuff we need to chaff up, and we're gonna play a game. And I love that quality of Age of Sigmar. Um, yeah, I, I truly yeah. love it. And I feel like I know that with like the wheel and uh, move you lose that like oh if you flank them you get like better bonuses coming from the side or behind but like still with the way that engagement works and uh the way that engagement ranges and work in agency there's still a lot of tactical depth and trying to make sure you get the maximized number of guys in combat try to get outside yes. of combat for the other people who you lock who you don't um and that's actually one thing i i really enjoyed when an eighth edition 40k dropped i was like mm, the one inch engagement range i felt like was really like kind of defeated it's like no this three inch engagement rings allows you to be much more tactical in the way you play and move it is not just shoot your punt off off the table and call it a day no and, and yeah, pack uh, and... the wheel of melee is a delight oh, in that it's so so tactically deep and the fact of of moving models and setting up models to move towards the closest enemy like that that is to me the most fun portion of this this entire game yeah. and and it is still absolutely a game where movement matters i mean in my opinion this is still more a game of the movement phase than anything else. That's yep. a great take. No, I, I, I like activations too. It's just something as simple as choosing your activation orders. Um, oh yeah, like can 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 really uh, that adds that robustness layer to to compile on top of the movements, the the pylons and, and and everything we see in the, in here so far. I actually I don't want to refine it to I lost based on one on this one thing. I I think when you do that when you talk about a game like I lost because of this one thing you overlook other decisions you made to get to that point. Um, but mm -hmm. I basically, at PACA, I lost because a guy locked me in in three inches. Like, I'm like, <laughs> my Nagasha's right is, like, locked. I didn't even notice the freaking, uh, uh, the hag queen that was still within three inches of me. So I'm, like, going into my turn. And I'm like, honestly, if I had given him the turn, then I get to kill her in my combat. And then just, like, hop and then, and then burn an objective, move on to the next. Like, I'm like, nope. Now I have to waste a whole fucking turn with this one idiot who's stuck in like based of, in, within three inches of the of the god of death. <laughs> you know, like one hundred point idiot stopping a nine hundred point powerhouse from moving because my opponent was a tactical genius. This is John Wanger just played a, a stellar mm. game and it was like, wow, like that 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 pile in the 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 nuance of movement in in, in Age of Sigmar. Yes, it's so like I don't think we need to overcomplicate it is what I'm saying is because it's, there's so much already there, um, which is why no. this game just makes sense I, to me. It just makes sense. I, to I, it's funny. I would describe it from a, a TO's perspective, you know, cause I TO 40 K events and I TO age of Sigmar events. And for me, I, I can occasionally, if it's a smaller tournament, actually even play a game or two in an age of Sigmar tournament, I could never play in a 40 K tournament that I'm actually running. So that's to me, that's already a difference. And it's like a day of playing age or TOing age of Sigmar is, joking with some people pointing out how cool some models are uh, maybe at the most reading somebody's rule out loud to them or <laughs> reading a portion of the mission out loud to them and that's about as deep as my decision making goes on the other hand i go do 40k and i'm pulling up websites facts and abacus i'm messaging my buddy for his opinion <laughs> you know and then on the end i'm yeah, the abacus out like actually out these complex rules <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, man. I, I guess we do, we don't know how how green the grass is on this side of the fence, huh? The, it, as far as our rules go in Age of Sigmar. So so I interrupted uh, you for this this rabbit hole about how awesome oh, right. Age of Sigmar is. So how does how does uh, Wide World of Wargaming end up going and doing the LVO thing? 
So um, this was for us going to LVO. This LVO was my seventh LVO. Um, there has been seven LVOs. So I, we, as our crew, kind of, I, I don't think any of us have missed an LVO, mostly. Jeremy, not maybe before. not, but at least me, John, and Alex, none of us have missed an LVO. So we kind of go to LVO anyways. Okay. Um, and LVO is kind of our pinnacle event that we like to go to as a crew. So all of us go there and we all meet up. It's like, you know, if we miss each other at tournaments, like, you know, they don't always make it out here. I can't always make it out there. This is where all of us can come from around the country, meet up at Vegas, and just drink and have a really so, good fun. So this is your your penultimate event, and we can kind of actually explain what LVO is now. Now, as we're mm-hmm. over the course of, 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 of you kind of doing this narrative here, sorry, this story, I <laughs> narrative has is like a capital letter word in, in Age of Sigmar. Um, <laughs> like so, so this is your your penultimate event. This is your super, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And just a real quick, does LVO kick off the tournament season for you, like mentally speaking, or does it close up a tournament season? Close. Close. So this is and so this... open actually. Okay. Fair. Uh, it, it, because the on Sunday the doubles event is the first event of the next season. Okay. Okay. So this is this is the pan ultimate. This is this is uh, this is the Super Bowl. But then it's also kind of like this. You've had the winner. You've been shut in you know, all winter long, or there's, there's kind of a void of big tournaments in that sort of tail end of November into December mm-hmm. and even beginning of January. This is the big one, right? Like this is, mm-hmm. boom. we're all coming back. Um, so, so LVO real quick for, for, for folks, I guess I could let you describe it, but this is more of a, a war gaming event than just an Age of Sigmar tournament. This is Correct. akin to Adepticon in that there's a lot of minis games going on. Uh, it's not quite Gen Con, you know, it's it's not like Gen Con where it's all sort of table tabletop or traditional gaming, as I'd call it. Um, this is very much a war game. I mean, you've got X-Wing there. I think they do Infinity. Uh, they do the Batman minis. I saw that on the schedule. It was like, wow, people play that game still? Um, <laughs> or play that now? I'm sorry. So this is LVO. Do you want to take me through what LVO is? Uh, kind of the, the rough numbers, if you know them. Uh, so for LVO, um, well, rough numbers. I mean, obviously, it's a premier 40k event. They had uh, 749 players in their 40k championships event, um, and then they have a 40k narrative event, which a bunch of my friends actually play in. It is a lot of fun. I hear. I think they get like 50 people for that. Um, they have the long war doubles. Uh, then they also have uh, what else? They have for 40k. I think that's about it for 40, they have the 40k rtts on sunday but that's for people who drop out of the gt and then uh age of sigmar there's the age of sigmar uh, gt we had 170 people dice down uh round one and then there's the age of sigmar narrative event which was run by the rolling bad guys and i heard was fantastic they sold out real quick i think they kept it down to like 26 to 30 people ish to keep it small but they sold out really fast so they had their narrative event i heard it was a blast um and then there was x-wing there was x-wing which i believe they had about 200 230 people for the x-wing uh championships uh they had star wars legion which had about 80 people per event um they had star wars destiny which had about 50 to 60 people per event um then they had war machine which gets about 80 to 100 people for their events um and they have kill team so uh, that's right warhammer 40k kill team which they got about 50 people for and then warhammer underworlds they had about 50 people for as well okay so, and so then 30K. Not to mention massive art classes and mm. hobbying classes that actually 
I don't even know the numbers, but probably accounts for a couple hundred more people because a lot of people go purely to do hobby track throughout the weekend. And then they have the vendor hall. Um, it, so LVO, as far as like describing LVO outside of just pitching you all of these numbers, it isn't your general shit. They don't really treat it like normal cons would. Um, it is more of a event that runs a bunch of very large tournaments, has a vendor hall and some paint classes, and is in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So but it's Vegas mainly is the rest of the con stuff, like all the things that a con would have to do to keep you entertained. They don't Vegas have to bother because you're in yeah. Vegas. Right. So they, they like, talk, talking with Reese, he has said that this is a uh, – he wants it to be a place for people to run lot, large events. And then Vegas is kind of – is a destination place. And then he'll have, you know, he'll have paint classes and things like that. But it is a place where it's to run a lot of very large events. Like, if other game systems want to come in and bring their championship events there, that's kind of what he's going for. Right on, right on. So, so LVO again. It's it's more of a. This is a spectacle. This is an event. Mm-hmm. This is not just a tournament. This is yes. Just, just in case people don't aren't aren't familiar with LVO. I mean, I had to. Uh, I've been cursorily like uh, familiar with it. Um, one of my my a uh, couple of my friends like kind of try to make it every year type thing, just because they're like they're like children of Vegas, you know? Like they just they mm-hmm. any excuse to go to Vegas, they're gonna go. Um, and and so like I think to get there. Yeah, what's that? I said it's cheap to get there. It is. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah. So, so going to so so you have this 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 these a bunch of wargaming tournaments, um, and uh, and now you can kind of catch us up now on on how uh, uh, wide world of wargaming uh, ends up sort of entrenched in helping run Age of Sigmar. Well, we kind of uh, know we, we've had relationships with organized like uh, I mean. Uh, through my for my professional uh, relationships i am affiliated with frontline gaming we've worked a lot with them mm-hmm. um we've run like as john said he's uh talked with scott reed who runs the age of sigmar tournament a lot and so we kind of have these personal relationships with people who run the events and so we kind of all the guys in wide world war game we just know all these guys and so we just came out i mean half the crew played and then john and i didn't everyone else played there but we just come out and we know everybody and we're like you know what We'll help out because that's just what we do. So, I mean, I wouldn't exactly say it was like Wide World of Wargaming came out and helped. It's more of like all of the people in Wide World of Wargaming go to Vegas anyways. And we have our own relationships. Like, we like Scott. We know Scott will help out. I know Reese. I help out with Reese a lot. And so we just kind of... Being a Bay Area guy, I mean, Mm -hmm. you got to remember that that his early events were, you know, supported by us locally as a part of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um... So I guess being in Vegas, this is also over the course of uh, Chinese uh, Chinese New Year. It's the same thing, right? Uh, having that weekend, and uh, and we mentioned early, sort of at the uh, at the onset of the show, uh, maybe it was on the pre-show, how a lot of people were battling the con crud. Um, you had a personal yes. regiment to fight it off yourself. Um, yes. So so I myself um, go. So a few things, you know, I I do teach uh adult classes uh professionally like an industrial uh type of class robotics programming so i'm used to speaking for a long time so i know how to maintain and preserve my voice i also do professional live streaming but it's like private live streaming to groups of engineers at nasa or lockheed or Tesla. okay first off that's so, hella sweet um, <laughs> i didn't know that that's fucking cool as hell so um, when i was 
tapped on for some of the live streaming stuff. It was it was funny, like they were using OBS there, and I'm like, oh okay, I I know what OBS is, but the stuff I use at we work use proprietary is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wait. type stuff. So yeah, so not a big deal. Yeah, well, you do have a voice for shoutcasting. I need to say that. Like, you've got to have like one of one of two voices. You got to have like uh, mine, where it's in that like that timber like thing, you know, or you got to have that really express expressive, good modulating voice, and you've got that going on. So oh, thank you, thank you yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. So, so I, I, you talked about like it being in Vegas, and so like I think that that that's why I bring up the you know this is over the course of like kind of an event weekend for the city of Vegas as well because they, as far as I know, they go pretty hard on any excuse to throw a great party, right? So. Oh yeah. Well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Chinese I mean, New help- Year is is over the top. And so I was talking about my my fighting the con crud, right? So it's Chinese New Year. We're having this scare over the coronavirus, right? And it's 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 Chinese New Year, but. But I'm from the Bay Area anyway, so it's like, you know, second largest Asian population in the world. So it, it, no, I don't even notice these things when I go right. go to somewhere like Vegas, right? So that, that's not – but just being at the con, every person that came and talked to me, I swear, they're like, oh, hey, John, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like these, these, like, waves of disease coming at me. And, and so – I, I backed off on the, like, every time I went to the bar in the hall, I literally told the guy, I go, look, just get me the biggest glass you can and fill it with pineapple juice. So all day long while I'm live casting, I'm pounding pineapple juice. I'm going down and getting smoothies at the smoothie bar. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I limited myself to, well, I, I shouldn't say I limited myself that much because I still went out Saturday night till I, was, I had told my wife. Gordon Ramsay. Uh, no, Gordon Ramsay was Friday. Okay. And okay. then, uh, we have a tradition of Saturday night. We do uh, a pub crawl or bottle service. Like a couple years ago, we got a really nice be bottle service and went saw Tiesto and stuff like that. So this year, uh, uh, one of our friends' wives, uh, got a hold of a private promoter who designed basically a, a custom pub crawl for about 20 of us. Jesus. And. This right? is this so, is way too rich for my poor Midwest boy here. <laughs> it was like, like twenty five dollars a head. Twenty five bucks. What? Twenty five bucks. Yeah, okay, no, that's I can it. swing that. Free drinks at every <laughs> bar we went to, right? Which was dangerous in itself. So, so the first one on the pub crawl was a margarita bar, and they had these spicy margaritas where the guy was taking a fresh jalapeno pepper and a lime and using a mortar to crush it into the glass. Mm-hmm. So, fighting the cold and and crud as I was. I made sure to down a few of those and, of course, eat that jalapeno pepper yeah, for no, first no, that, of vitamin C. Yeah, so I think help. that's really what what kept me going more than anything. And then I had told my wife, I said, okay, no matter what I say, I oh, he 3 a.m. I'm still out at 3 a.m. I got to record at 9 a.m. Uh-huh. You have to drag me home. So 2.45, she pokes me. She says, okay, drop dead, boy. Your time to get out of here. Right. Drag me back to the hotel. You have a very good wife. <laughs> it is 45 minutes before time to record. And I can't even open my eyes. Yeah. I'm like, I, I have to do this. There's nobody to back me up. I swing my legs out of bed, force myself up, stagger downstairs to the buffet, drink a bunch of orange juice, down a bunch of coffee, get there somehow make it through that first stream on Sunday, which was the double. So I didn't, you know, it was a little easier. (laughs) And then my wife shows up with this. I don't even know what it is. It was like this 
powdered concoction of electrolytes, herbs, and mystery chemicals. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Throws it into a bottle of water. I down that thing, and I feel amazing for about the next four it hours. Was, so it, was, like, it was meth. The concoction was crystal meth. <laughs> <laughs> like... I don't know what was in there, like but the, he took care of it. It's like the Ride the Snake uh, Jim Carrey uh, thing where it's like the, he's selling you a, a weight loss pill and it's just meth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I, see, that's a, see for me, like one of the draws, I think, for LVO would be Vegas itself. Um, oh, yeah. I feel, no, I 100%. Feel, I almost feel like the tournament is, is, is I don't want to throw shade at, at Age of Sigmar because I love it so much, but the, the tournament would almost be background noise for me. I would go for the, the Vegas and then I would stay for the aos I, guess. I mean hell you could sign up for some painting seminars go for the narrative event like fuck the gt like just go for <laughs> vegas and like sign up for like maybe a painting seminar here go play in a narrative event or just play sunday at the doubles and just fucking like hang out with people at vegas i mean there's like a bar there we're just drinking the whole fucking time yeah. whether right, you're I've... playing in the gt or not I'm just nobody cares go... if you walk up to their table throw down a glass and be like you're drinking this and they're like okay well, yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and cross out my sell me on LVO. On, on my show notes um, no, I, I, um, I think that's cool. So, so I guess while we're on the subject, um, LVO strikes me as like a, a competitive first type event. This isn't like a hobby first type event. This is narr- nah. okay. No, I mean, as a, like they have the narrative events. They have like L- LVO promotes their competitive GTs heavily. That is true, which is why people have starts. that. Exactly. Like, yeah. They like that is their bread and butter when it comes to bringing in attendance. But they have the painting seminars. It is Vegas, and they like the Rolling Bad Guys. I heard put on a really good show for their narrative yeah, event. Yeah. Um, and the 40k narrative event. My buddies always have a blast doing it. Like their narrative events succeed and sell out every year. Okay. Yeah. So well, the the point I was getting at is is something you already kind of covered. It's okay for me to show up with on on Saturday morning and Sunday morning because I'm going to be hungover. With my Bloody Mary at the table, like they're yeah, yes. everyone knows Bloody Marys are great for hangovers. Sa- sadly, the um, union, the uh, the catering union, doesn't allow outside drinks, so you will have to buy from their bar in the venue itself. But they have a bar set up; you can just get a Bloody Mary, and yeah. they don't crank up the prices, so they're normal prices. And it- every year. <laughs> I'm Every just going to go year. ahead and cross out sell me on LVO a second time. <laughs> go All right, continue. Every year, I have found at least two people through the hall who had an extra army bag with some <laughs> sort of alcohol in it. So even though in theory, <laughs> in theory, I'm going in and buying drinks from the bar, the reality is maybe I'm getting my mixer at the bar. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is a, there, there's a bunch of smugglers. There is a very thriving smuggler trade going on in that event. <laughs> it's just like yes. a black market. So we have a we have a beer. I don't know if you know about this. We have a beer in Wisconsin. It's called Nuglaris. Um, I I try to hit all the Midwest uh, tournaments I can, but it's got one of those weird old laws where it is illegal to sell Nuglaris outside of the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> Once every like three or four years, you hear that like a big a big semi truck is pulled over and a bunch of people are like busted in the big Nuglaris like smuggling operation of the century right like it just uh the last one i heard was actually in new jersey like an entire semi truck filled with new glarus and a bunch of people got like a i don't know like just some fine um but i make it a point to bring new glarus out of the state anytime i get to go so i might uh i don't know if you know the black market at lvo for this smuggling but i might need to talk to them (laughs) 
so that I, I some of the I Vegas to... locals of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I feel I need to try some of this beer now, so I'll be disappointed it's, it's the if forbidden I don't, beer. don't have one in hand next yeah. year at the LVO. It's it's funny that you mentioned that. You know, back in, in the 70s, my dad is from Ohio, and we used to have family that would come out from Ohio and visit us in the Bay Area. And whenever they came from Ohio, they would have to bring my dad cases of Coors beer. If you used to not be able to buy Coors on the West Coast, then they would come out and we would take them Case down of to water. Monterey Got it. to buy right. Monterey to Bat Jack cheese and up to San Francisco to buy sourdough bread. And so they would go back to Ohio with sourdough bread and Monterey Jip Bat Jack cheese after bringing us the Coors beer. That's, that's <laughs> like a smuggling operation. <laughs> there's a whole ring going on. Like you're just, there's a whole ring. <laughs> No, I love that. See, so you, so there, there's still like for a little, uh, like a little Midwestern boy. There's you're saying there's a lot of LVO for me. Anyway. If you like drinking, it's Vegas. <laughs> like, what do you what, what is there to sell you on? Well, no, if you don't like drinking, there's eating. Like, oh, you should see oh the yeah, rack. the food. Ah. Right. When I went right. to the Gordon Ramsay, the dude brought a rack of all the different cuts they have to offer. Explained to me about all the different cuts and the marbling. And then I happened to notice this super expensive $40 an ounce steak from Japan that was on there. And I said, well, tell me about this. I'm not going to order it, but I want to know about this. So the guy goes <laughs> so, back in there and brings this, this giant. This is the Wagyu, the, right? Jap yeah, Japanese steak. No, it wasn't even a Wagyu. No, it was, um, this is beyond Wagyu. This is uh, oh, the wa this is L5 or something like that. Wagyu yeah. plus plus. Like it's, it's even like yeah. it's super. Wa yeah, okay. The Kobe Wagyu. Yeah, it's the Kobe Wagyu. <laughs> yeah, it's the it super. Out and showing me this thing and explaining the meat. I'm like, that's amazing. I just got like a, a meat ucation at this restaurant. The meat ucation? Like <laughs> <laughs> so, so while we're on the subject here, we, we got to go back to the real core topic. The thing that brought you all here to Rantcast today, which is the the whiskey meta. <laughs> yes. So yes. You, I heard that you actually got to try some of this Japanese whiskey. Um, uh, uh, the Akashi, I think it was. The Akashi. All right, and then you started out the show actually on the uh, on the uh, Belvenie uh, Scotch, right? Yep. 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 So, 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 real quick, take us through through your 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 pairings, your your round, your matchups. <laughs> my my matchups, as it were. Yeah. So, 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 real briefly. Um, yeah. Yes. I am. I am in what I call the whiskey phase of my my life specifically bourbons uh it was what i've been exploring hell yeah when i was younger i was into beer and through much of my 20, can i give 40s, my bourbon take? i was a wine guy i gotta give my bourbon I, take I, real I, quick before you go too deep into this yeah yeah please okay and so then i yeah go ahead please so so the reason okay. i so the, i'm a i'm a bourbon guy the reason i'm a bourbon guy it's it's, yeah. it's basic economics so cheap <laughs> cheap scotch tastes like shit mm. high-end scotch is great Yes. Cheap bourbon and high-end bourbon, that that like gap between them, it's very small. Like so, you can drink a good glass. The yeah, you stuff's okay. Yeah, you 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 start out with the high the high shelf bourbon, and by the end of the night, you're on a mid tier bourbon. You're having a great night, <laughs> and so that's so, that's why I love bourbon. So I'm a big bourbon right. guy. Uh, go on now. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, so so for me, I was I was out in Ohio, uh, Southern Ohio, uh, Northern Kentucky. And I was meeting with a bunch of, of local business owners uh, out at a restaurant. And each of these guys had a story about how they went to some amazing distillery, knew the owners, and had some special bottle of bourbon for whatever reason in their story made it amazing. And, I, and it started clicking to me like, like bourbon is this great American spirit. And 
though I know about wine and beer, um, I don't really know a lot about bourbon. I mostly drink uh, clear spirits at that time, right? Um, and so, you know what? I said, I, myself, I am going to start drinking bourbon. I am going to explore bourbons. So this is about a, a decade ago or so. Mm-hmm. And I just started declaring it to all my friends. I started telling them, you know what? I'm exploring bourbons now. <laughs> and everybody started buying me bottles, yeah. like really nice yeah. bottles of bourbon. And so, you know, I got this great bar now filled with like some amazing bourbons and it's just like i'm a hard guy to buy gifts for so hey john here's this great bourbon and i'm like yeah thank you yeah yeah most people that's that's the beauty of being like a like a quote-unquote whiskey guy or bourbon guy is most people who draw a blank on christmas presents for me just give me a a good mid-tier 30 to 40 dollar bottle of of bourbon or scotch so any single malt whiskey we're good Right? A little, a little Knob yeah. Creek in the uh, the stocking makes you happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knob Creek's good. Um, uh, Templeton Rye, not quite a bourbon, but still really good. Like any of the Ooh, now that there's, I got to draw. I'm not no. a rye guy. Ooh. Yeah, rye kind of upsets my stomach a little bit mm. for whatever reason. I'm I'm not sure why. So so I like I definitely like scotches. I get occasionally that I want to get something real peaty. But that's not normally where I like to land. And so I just find that, that bourbons and now uh, starting to explore some Japanese whiskeys with that little bit lighter flavor is, is what I'm enjoying. Also, so for, this is for you, chat gang. But Mr. Meff is not a weeb. Um, we have our own emoji that explains exactly that I'm not. Um, but I've had a lot of friends that out of college went over to Japan. Apparently, Japan loves to drink, too. Like, which, like <laughs> you think of, like, Germany... Like, oh yeah, Germany loves to drink. Like, Ireland, of course Ireland loves to drink. Australia, like, we, AOS coach was here in chat a little bit ago. Like, Australia loves to drink. You don't think of Japan as, like, loving to drink. But according to every single one of my friends, uh, they do. And they, they actually have a real appreciation for, like, whiskeys. And mm. it, it's actually kind of born out of that that uh, post-World War II occupation phase. Where a lot of, oh, like, sure. the American soldiers would have, like, a really... So they got, like... Japan doesn't do anything light. They crush everything they ever attempt. So, like, if they get an yes. interest in whiskey, by God, they're gonna make great whiskey. So, how? So, so of your of your uh, your your matches of your rounds uh, against the whiskey, uh, yes. who, do you, who do you think won? Ooh, well, I, I again, I have to go to you know ITC champion Jeremy Bessier at one thirty in the morning at some speakeasy in Vegas went off and he said, John, I am going to buy you the best whiskey I can. He was gone for 20 minutes, comes back. Apparently they had to go in back and find this bottle. It was covered in dust. It was around for so long. They bring it out. He goes, don't even ask me what this costs, but here you go. And he gives me this glass and it's beautiful, like sort of a, a mid amber color in a nice little glass with a square cube in there. And Oh man, it just it hit the palate, and you know I get a, a really fine whiskey, and it just kind of poof, it vanishes in your mouth, and you're left with just that that little bit of a flavor across your palate there. Yeah, oh, that was nice. That yeah. that was the one that won. And like I said, I'm I'm pretty sure it was the Akashi, but I was a little foggy at the moment. But not okay. That okay. So 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 Japanese whiskey uh, won LVO this this year. They won the LVO this yeah, year they for me won for it. sure. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. But but to be fair, I finished the LVO because of the hot peppers and the spicy margaritas. Yeah, but that that's just like that's all on the, the reps of the preps, man. Like Yeah, that was medicine. 
It wasn't even like a party. Health, health purposes. Oh man. So, so, um, so, uh, I don't know. It sounds like you both had a great time at, at LVO. Um, I haven't heard from you a little bit in a little bit. Uh, uh, I haven't heard from you, Garrett, in a little while. Um, uh, did, well, you, did you partake? You didn't partake in the whiskey meta, but certainly the the the, the surrounding festivities, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, as far as the whiskey meta goes, sadly, I, I just I just don't have the palate for it. I have gone through many whiskey tastings, tried many high end whiskeys, and I actually enjoy whiskey tasting because mm-hmm. i love getting those the little drips of whiskey into my mouth and you get that just nice explosion of different flavors and you can look for all the different spices or just whatever they kind of use to make that a little different of a whiskey and i like tasting all those yeah. but you get me to try to drink any whiskey and it's gasoline okay. just straight up all whiskey tastes like gasoline when i try to drink more than a little drop of it so like oh and five in the whiskey meta like just oh yeah no i am i am bottom tables wooden spoon bad matchup like it is like i go up against whiskey and it's like auto loss just like you know this is your hard counter yeah hard counter yeah whiskey straight up my hard counter um i i'm kind of a little more of a pub guy i don't usually do the pub crawls in the past we've done a lot of bottle service uh clubbing and so i yeah. tend to stray away from that because i don't really feel like dropping 175 dollars for three watered down drinks and a bunch of loud music um so i tend to just grab go to like a bar with a couple of friends get a bunch of ciders or whatever and just drink and chill and then or hit the craft tables and just get free drinks all night uh, well, there, there's a fact. We definitely like the craps tables. Mm-hmm. I will, I will say, we, I, we didn't actually get to play much craps this year, but last year, oh we, yeah, we had a run. So, so I roll the dice, and and I have some some famously lucky streaks that have happened, including hitting two double sixes, and I hit double ones oh. followed by double sixes. And after I hit the double ones, everybody on the table piled money on the double sixes, and I hit it. Well, no, um, it was it was pitfalls, actually John. Let, let, I, me, I love, let me tell you this story. I no, love that you have a, cra- a crap. As war gamers, I feel like craps is the game for us. Oh, craps is the war gamers game. And, and, and so, for somebody who worked in the casino industry, I happen to know that craps should be your game. Yes. But so, continue. This is what happened. We have a, a wonderful teammate of ours, Paul McKelvey, and his wonderful Jessica, who they, she's actually the one who organizes all of the pub crawls whenever we go for our team. She's great. They love craps. They've been craps players for years. So Paul throws down like five dollars on C and E, and uh, John hits it, gets what like thirty five dollars back, and then so he throws that thirty five dollars on Snake Eyes. John hits the Snake Eyes. He then takes the winnings from the Snake Eyes and puts that like three hundred and fifty dollars on box cars, and John hits the box cars and gets John gets Paul like three thousand dollars in three rolls. <laughs> they then leave. They're done. Yeah, yeah. If you, I'm sorry, checking. If you thought we were gonna uh, have LVO guests on and not talk about gambling, uh, I don't know what you signed up for. No, see, I'm actually like, I just play pass line and odds. Like that's all. Yeah, I ever that, that, that's the that's the way you. I mean, that is the mathematically best way to get the most money, but it's also the also cheapest to way drink to for free. Because exactly. most places, yeah, you just play pass drink, all drink. night. You drink for free all night. Like, like fuck the odds. Just, just play the pass line. Like yeah. min bed and pass line, and yeah, sit there all day pass, and get free. Drink. Yep. 
That's me. Like I, I've brought put, a lot you of put people. Put the odds on you. You stand mathematically come out ahead, but yeah. If you want to, yeah, I tell a lot of people like, it's like they're like they've never played craps. A bunch of my friends, I'm like, okay, you want to drink in Vegas? You come to craps. A, it's a party game. We all win together. We all lose together. It's a fucking blast. Well, that's what uh, Chad Gang here, Professor Xavier, saying. Craps is for the social aspect. He likes exactly. It. Like yeah. honestly, if yeah. I'm alone, I go play blackjack just because it's a little faster and I don't need yeah. to like wait for things to happen. But if I'm with people, I go immediately to craps. I don't care because y'all just get pumped up and win and lose together. And yeah, so craps as a group is the way. So last year we're at the table. <laughs> it's late. I finish a nice run. Garrett starts rolling. Garrett rolls for over an hour. It was close there's to two these, hours. Yeah, there's these bets where you have to get like you know five. The uh, repeater doubles. bets. Yeah, the repeater bets. So this guy at the end of the table is putting money on all the repeater bets. Garrett's rolling so long that he hits almost every one of the repeater bets during his roll. I think it I hit six be, different repeater bets that time. It, it gets to be where the guy every time he wins at the end of the table, this little teeny dude goes yeah. Runs over to the Garrett, picks big old Garrett up, <laughs> swings him around, dances <laughs> with him, rolls back. Garrett rolls again. The guy wins again, comes back over. This goes on for a while. <laughs> Garrett finally craps out, but every no one cares. It's I like, earned the table like the total table payout. I think was like eight to ten thousand dollars between the eight of us. Like I had earned so I earned Jessica a trip to Disneyland because she yep. bet on the repeaters, got six hundred dollars off of it. It was. It was crazy. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And then, but it's and not over. Our friend Liz rolls after Garrett, and she rolled for forty-five minutes straight after that. Damn. Again, everybody making money. <laughs> it was it was the most amazing run of crafts ever. Wow! So it was like three hours for two rollers. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's winning the whole time, just high. Five. Yeah, no, everyone's betting across. Like we're all betting crazy. I'm doing cum bets constantly. And it's just like, like I was at the point where I had every number for cum, mm -hmm. and it's just like no matter what I rolled, I won, and I just put it right back on. <laughs> and it's just like, so it's like I walked away like six hundred up, and it was it was a crazy fun time. That's awesome. And you remember how it, it ended? Dude came up to the table and drops a big old stack on the don't come line, basically or the no pass for everyone else to lose. Hits it. Everyone looks at each other, and we all left the table. Yep. <laughs> yep. Way to be a dick. No. Um. It's funny because it's like, it, craps really is like it's the Wargamer's dice game. So, another pretty awesome thing actually happened at LVO that, that I didn't realize I'd be talking about. But, uh, I'm going to do one of my famous leave the stream and you guys are going to carry, uh, you and Chacking are going to carry the stream. And you're going to talk about uh, the American Chestnut story real quick. And I'm going to come back with a, uh, with a, a bit. Fair enough. Okay. So, so, so real quick, uh, you, this, this actually ties in with who was co-casting with you. Um, yes. Yeah. So you want to take, take us away and then Garrett, now oh. you have to be Mephisto. Okay. And um, ask leading questions and, uh, and talk about how great whiskey is. Go. Fair I will try. <laughs> so, so as, as it would, this, I got to back up. So first off, this is what our second game on the stream. Is this with Matt or? This is with Matt Barker. So th third game on the stream. Third game on the stream. So it's still day one. We're still picking armies based on how they look. And we put our teammate Matt Barker up there with his amazing No nepotism at all. None at all. Huh? No nepotism. Yeah. <clears throat> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Anyway, there was. But his army was beautiful. And, you know, I was able to choose. And Garrett agreed. So we put him up there. 
And he plays a game against this gentleman, also by the name of Matt, Matt Beasley, uh, who has Zinch. And not only are these two gentlemen playing, you know, Zinch versus Nurgle, very opposite types of armies, their personalities and game style somewhat exemplify the the god that they represent. The the gentleman playing Zinch is very calculated, very planning. Of course, Matt is a little more uh, joyous and gregarious on the table. So, so very good. So we come over, and of course, after each game, I bring people over for an interview, and I'm talking to the guys, and, and I told everybody, I said, look, after we talk about the game, you can promote anything you want, okay? Because so we talk, and I always talk to the loser first, so Matt, had, Matt Barker with Nurgle had lost the game, and at the end, he decides to talk about the American chestnut. Now, he's an arborist by trade, so knows something about trees. And he basically talks about, you know, the rescue of the American chestnut. Now, I myself am an avid gardener. Uh, I, If you watched any of my YouTube stuff, I'm into the hot peppers. I did the Ooh. Don't Fear the Reaper Challenge was the thing last year. Garrett loves hot peppers, all that stuff. So, so I know a lot about gardening and stuff. And as I poked around gardening things, I had noticed that I believe it's the American Autobahn, but maybe it's the American Arbor Society. I forget what page I was on. Offers you free chestnuts. Again, trying to repopulate the American chestnut. So Matt talks about the American chestnut and how much he loves it. And I'm like, oh, I know something about American chestnuts. I know how you can get them for free. <laughs> and so I start talking to Matt, telling him all about the American chestnut. Well, on the meantime, Poor Matt Beasley, the Zinc player, he's over there, and he is so polite and so patient, but the look on his face basically says, oh my God, these two guys are sitting here talking about trees, <laughs> and they won't shut up. <laughs> and and so that was that was how it went. Now, now, oddly enough, my partner, Roger, on the live cast, he actually owns an entire mountain range back in Missouri, right? Oh, my uh, God. Whole story about, you know, his family owned it. He's the oldest child, so it's to him. And these coal companies are continuously trying to get them to, to pay them to basically strip the mountain and get the coal out. He doesn't want that to happen, so he's trying to turn his mountain into more of a nature reserve. So they're building cabins and, and trails. is one of my stuff. favorite people right now, by the way. Like, just <laughs> yeah. giving the giant middle finger to uh, these people trying to strip his mountain. That's awesome. Exactly. And so he figures that he turns it into a, a, a resort, because they've actually tried to use, like, eminent domain and, and legally take his stuff, but his family's owned it since, you know, George Washington, so nobody's taken their mountain, right? Right. So anyways, Roger... <laughs> Shoutouts to owning a mountain, by the way. American right? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, John, but I just really want to like. I think me and Mr. Mephiston is like, sorry, nobody's just gonna take his mountain. Yeah. Like you know, no like oh, just... like this is we're talking about a fucking mountain here, <laughs> not just like your backyard or like some like farmland. No, there's nobody's gonna take his fucking mountain. Like no. Like, yeah. Well, imagine me when I'm talking to Roger and he's telling me about this. I'm like, oh, oh my God. It was great. So so he calls his brother, tells him about this. His brother gets a hold of, again, it was the Audubon or Arborist or whatever, orders a hundred chestnut trees to be delivered to their mountain. And they're going to seed the entire mountain with chestnuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
that's my my chestnut story as it were awesome that's awesome so like now we need to get roger to champion a cause i love which is bees uh, this, is an inside, <laughs> this is an inside joke i haven't actually shared with Randcast yet so you're all coming along on my story here it oh, is my tell. so my dream in life of, of my dream of dreams. So, like, yeah, uh, I, 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 uh, I've got a couple of short fiction stories uh, published. I went for English Lit. Uh, that's what I went to uni- University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire for. Um, nice. Which meant I was just either unemployed or I worked at a bookstore. So I did both. <laughs> I was unemployed for a little while, and then I worked at a bookstore. Uh, and I ended up, eventually ended up in the trades uh, because, you know, you just usually there's, like, a, some sort of apprenticeship or paid training, and then you can end up in trade labor. But my goal of goals is to sell a novel for no other reason than being able to buy a cabin in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, uh, pay to have, like, a actual fiber connection, like, board to it, so I have the fastest internet I could possibly have, because, like, just because I live in a cabin doesn't mean I want to be a savage, okay? Like, um, and then, like, become a beekeeper. Because, uh, (laughs) the American honeybee is... Is borderline. It was one of those enda- like borderline endangered uh, like species, you know. And if it dies, like agriculture as we know it, fucking just ends. So, so, so I want to be one of those like weirdos who has like the fucking like weird suits and like I just go out and I like I pull a honeycomb out of the hive with all the bees I talk to, and then like I put that honeycomb just directly onto my toast and I eat that every morning and then I go <laughs> hide in my office and I like type my book and I play war games on the weekends. Like I just. That's my goal, like in life. That's amazing. Yeah, that, that's kind, that's kind of what my in laws did. They they lived up in uh near Yosemite, California, mm. and uh, like my my father in law, he like builds all the like my kitchen table is built by my father in law, and so he like built both of the furniture that's in their house, See, you... and they like raised bees and like. Yeah, no, it's it's that, that it's it's like it's weird coming from an like an Irving guy like me and like meeting these people and like wow, that's well, a life. People do it around here. I mean, I my old boss uh, was also into beekeeping, uh, and he lived up in uh, I think Boulder Creek or something like that. And he'd tell me stories about like having his his new queens shipped there, and like you know the po- the local post office would call and say, "Hey man, a package came for you, and and it's buzzing. Like, <laughs> deliver this." You need to come pick this up. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like you, because you can get like, like you, you, you want to get like different like bee bee colonies, and you can pollinate and stuff. Like Heavy D Six is here. He, he said he went on a beekeeping like YouTube streak last year. If if you start looking into beekeeping, there's people who just like keep them recreationally. You you have like a cup like a small little thing, and a lot of brewers in Wisconsin do some of their own beekeeping, so they they can do some of those like honey vices and like really oh, awesome yeah. like honey beers and stuff or or meads. Uh, and a lot of like uh, vintners are doing like some. They'll be incorporating like yeah, they do some meads, but then they'll incorporate like the honey with their like their grape because we don't have like great soil for our grapes, so we usually tend mm-hmm. to import our our grapes from like California or Canada <laughs> of all places, and then from there like our honey actually like our ability to have great honey and great maple syrup though. So then we'd like incorporate those into our wines. Uh, cherries, we're also really good at cherries here in Wisconsin. Ooh, um, I like me some cherries. I, yeah. I call it my my cherry season out here uh june is when the bing cherries uh ripen and so you can go to a, a dozen roadside stands and get your big old thing of bing cherries and i will every year i'll go buy a big old basket and just ah, eat them all till i'm like you know sore in the belly and i'm like it was worth it it was worth <laughs> every bite of it 
Yeah, these things used to be poisonous and kill our species, but now we've just like if we've evolved them to our whim. That's cherries. Uh, like no, yeah, no. So like beekeeping is like this weird thing. You're welcome, Rantcast uh, chat gang. You've never known about this until now about me. That I have a secret passion for bees. I don't know where it comes from. I just I think bees are sweet. Uh, I hate insects, but bees oh. are awesome. Like I fucking that's, that's interesting. Wasps I, uh, are dicks. Myself, fuck as a, wasps. As a youth... <laughs> oh yeah, fuck wasps. As a, as a youth, uh, yeah, nowadays I'm a whatever engineer, but as a youth I was fascinated by insects, and so a lot of adults around me piled me up with with reading and stuff. And I myself am very fascinated by social insects. So I actually think that like ants, bees, and stuff like that are are pretty interesting. Uh, so. Not necessarily into super into bees, though I like bees, but I, I can appreciate that you like bees. Thank They're you. pretty cool. See, this is this is the content, the AOS content you can only get. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking talking about bees. And, oh man, no, it, it's it's. I think that's why I like Drycha, and why I think the Drycha changes are great because like she just like has a minigun of bees, twenty bee shots at you. Like I'm like, hell yeah! Like it's like the Simpsons. With the, the, like, the dogs that bark bees at you. <laughs> like, that's Dreitcha. Uh Now, of course, where you are, you don't you don't necessarily, like, we have regular honeybees here, but where I live is actually the northern range of the killer bee. So, so like, where I live, we are, like, taught how when you're walking through the woods to recognize whether it's killer bees that are coming and messing with you. Like, the basic is, as you're you're walking down a trail, if you have bees that start like slamming into your body, like like headbutting you, then that's a, an indication well, that you're sort of the outer territory of a killer bee. Well, they're they're tagging uh, you with the pheromones so that the other bees with the like murderous stingers can come and kill you. Um, is that what that is? No, all, yeah, they're they're tagging you with the pheromones. Headbutted by bees, you turn around and go. Yeah, away. they're they're tagging you with pheromones. It's uh, that's how that works. See, I have a weird fascination with bees. No, I, I work outdoors, so I do. Uh, basically, I work for city engineering. Um, oh, cool! And so, so anytime there's like, uh, so if you're gonna do any construction or city planning, or even if you're gonna put up a fence in your yard, you tend to have to have people locate the utility lines and locate your property lines and do surveys and stuff. I do that. Yes. Um, oh, well, yeah. Check this out. You know, I actually went to college to be a mechanical drafts person. Yeah, you. But you, when I was getting my degree. They were really pushing people to go into civil drafting to become civil engineers. That they they declared there's like oh a, no, not a quite a civil engineer. Civil engineers, <laughs> uh, not quite a civil engineer. No, no, no. They they're above me. I'm their lackey that goes up and makes sure that they get to do their job. Um, uh, st still on the same train though. Right, right. So I work outdoors and like I in bees and and wasp and shit, but but fucking wasps. They're anyway. So that's a that's a good rant cast tangent for you. Um, I think it's great that LVO ended up with a little bit of like some good being done for the American chestnut. I think that's pretty cool. Yep. And now uh, next year, your challenge: do some good for the bees. Get 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 a uh, get Roger to get some like beehives. <laughs> so, so what you're really saying to me is is John, can you twist the conversations and interviews in such yeah. a way yes. as to put a focus and an awareness on bees? And, yes. and I'm going to tell you right now. Mr. Mephisto, that's going to happen. So what, what, what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that we have a yellow army and a black army on every on the table at all times. Yeah. So you notice that there's a yellow and black theme here. So I want to talk about the bees. Um, <laughs> and not to overemphasize the bees, but with Dreicha on the table, that would <laughs> 
like you'll just turn down the player marks into player mics and just start talking about bees. Like fuck strategy. Like yeah. you guys can watch the game. Look, We're gonna talk about bees, okay? Look at look at how these Ossiarch Bone Reapers have their Mortec guard kind of wrapping and swarming Gotrick right now. Almost like a a a swarm of bees protecting a hive. <laughs> Oh man, I guess yes. I mean I get like you could get this could go even further. Like you, there's, I mean, Tyranids are a thing in 40k. Borrow some terrain, uh, get some hive tables going <laughs> at LVO. <laughs> well, now now there, I'll put that challenge to you. If you build a hive base table and come to the LVO, I guarantee I can make it one of the tables that gets played. Okay, all right. All right, we, that, that, that'll be the open. Hey, by the way, did you play on the beehive table? You know, I'll, I'll bring my Sylvaneth with Drycha, and I'll be on that table every. Hell day. yeah! <laughs> there we go. Like, it'll be it'll be like a king... bee meta, bee meta, bee meta incoming. It it'll be like a the king of the hill table. Like you have to like you declare the table. The bee, I'm gonna play on the bee table, and like you have to get like take you have to get beat off the bee table. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, when you play on the B table, it's like your army becomes bees. So each model only gets to swing once, and then you got to pull it off the table. <laughs> a little bit of a funny rule going That's on. That's only there. bumblebees. They're so adorable, and like, and they don't want to sting you because they know they'll die. Right. <laughs> Which they is kind fight. of metal if you think about it. Like, I'm going to kill myself to annoy you, and like <laughs> have a 10% chance that you're allergic and actually maybe kill you. Like, what? Right. A, like. But that turns them down. Unlike the wasps that know that, like, I can sting you just for fun. Just for fun. Wasps for dicks. <laughs> Games Workshop is glad to announce the newest faction of AOS. Bees. <laughs> was it that Eddie Izzard skit? I'm covered in bees. Well, like, we, we, no, like, there there has been talk of, a, like, an insectoid oh. Age of Sigmar army. That would actually be cool. Where do you guys Except come down? Except for building it. All those little spindly bits. I am not gluing bee antennas on top of a thousand models. Right, right. I mean, we've got Tyranids, and they're kind of in that Xenomorph slash... They've moved away from, like, the Insectoid thing more towards just, like, pure Xenomorph and their own thing now. But, like, they had a little bit more of a Insectoid vibe, I think, early on. Um, so I think we could see an AOS, like, parallel to, like, a Tyranids, but I don't think we're going to get, like, specifically, like, insects, quote-unquote. No, no. But remember, you know, you know, it's funny. Actually, you start talking about, like, Sylvaneth. That's one that's almost fun. You could have, you know, maybe not bees, but, like, some sort of a swarm in there might be fun. Certainly, Nurgle has the flies, but that's, you know. They're cool. Nurgle. They're cool. <laughs> well, no, and, and, and that is the thing. is like, Sylvaneth, they have, they're like, so, um, something Age of Sigmar has done is they have, like, little friends. You know, like, we call them, like, little friend, like, fish friends. IDK have, like, the little fish friends. Mm -hmm. um, so oh, yeah, you have, have those little... fish friends and artifact. Yeah, they're, well, not anymore. Oh, they changed that? Yeah, the, oh. they FAQ'd. You can't give the shawl the sort of J Japan anymore. Or <laughs> uh, okay. it, they, they just... I knew there was a reason I shelved that army. Yeah, not I don't cheese. know. I don't know. Well, uh, uh, not enough. It's, it's funny, like, I, I just talked about Eidneth real quick. Got super excited when they came out. Saw that turtle. Like, what an amazing model. Got them home, start building them, start playing that army. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh. And it's like, I win with it, but it's just not even interesting to play that army. Meh. So, so. so we can we can come back on topic now that we, we just went in the rabbit hole of rabbit holes. 
Um, <laughs> or and, beehive. Uh, do do, do we win the award for the deepest rabbit hole in Rancast? Uh, like, I think you got to look at, like, Inception for rabbit holes. Like, how many rabbit holes <laughs> within a rabbit hole can you go? And right. I think we only went two or three deep, and I, I guarantee someone's gone, like, four or five deep. All right, all right. So, yeah, so you maybe gotta take a road <laughs> trip with me to go inception depth. I would yeah, say. like you got to get to like to that inception mode, and then like there's a top, and we're not even sure if we're doing a podcast anymore. Like <laughs> once we get to that level, um, <laughs> no. So, so to bring it back a little bit, um, <laughs> gargants have my attention. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, new rabbit ar- uh, army based on <laughs> rabbit holes. Oh, come on, stop, stop, chat gang, stop. You're getting out of hand now. Um, no, to, to bring it back to to, to LVO, um, LVO actually didn't allow the uh, the new KO or the Zinch. Oh my god! All right. So so are you a splicer from Bioshock? Like, uh, that was from a a uh, my wife and I went oh to a god. restaurant opening that was a masquerade a couple years ago, and that's left over from that event. So here's the thing about John. John is almost the definition of the most interesting man in the world. Okay. We had we had an eight-hour drive from Bay Area, California down to San Diego for a tournament. And I had I was running on zero hours of sleep. I had been up for 30 hours at that point. I didn't sleep a wink because John talked for eight hours straight. Did not did not and uh, the other guy driving didn't care. Neither of us cared. John literally talked for eight hours straight. And every story was just more impressive than the next. And then, like, I see on Facebook, and he's like, oh, I'm getting box seats at the Sharks game because my dad knows the guy who owns the team. And so we're eating burritos. And he sends a picture of them eating, like, Taco Bell burritos in the bot, like, the VIP spots of the Sharks game. And we're like, the fuck, John? Like, yeah, everything. Yeah. So well, he he fucking podcast or he he does live streams for NASA. Of course, he knows people. <laughs> like I I mean I heard that about him. Like oh, this guy fucking knows some shit. <laughs> like, and then like his, and then like his dad ran an escort service and owned multiple strip clubs and like in Bay yeah. Area, California. And it's just like you know, I I try to present myself as as a much more respectable person. Now you're you're just throwing out throwing me out there. But yes, I, I come from a, shall we say, an entertainment background. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, you know, the shout casting voice makes sense because back in like your grandfather's day or whatever would have been standing on like a, like a box with like a fucking homemade <laughs> megaphone. Like we got the best women in the head of him. Like, and he'd be. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Like, like for me at, at 19, be like that 20, scene 21, in... I used to uh, escort dancers to private parties. So he'd be like. You know, you show up at a, a house or a hall with 40, 50, 60 drunk guys with a beautiful woman. And your your job is to go in, take as much of their money as possible and get out safely. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I've I've had, you know, like guys creating a wall around us as we squirt, squirt out of the house and beer bottles and stuff throwing after the car because, oh, man, that crazy stuff wow. has happened there. but. Wow. Th- that that is a rabbit hole that I'm not. I'm not <laughs> yeah, we don't need to go down this one. I don't think. We, don't, we don't make a permanent record of any of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> man, yeah, wow. I I feel like, uh, man, maybe I. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Maybe I need to be in a car ride with you sometime to LVO. Like, right? No, yeah. seriously. Like, <laughs> take take a, take a car ride with John for eight hours. It's different. Yeah, it's, it's I just, an experience. You just, you just come out changed. <laughs> like, yeah. <Yes. laughs> 
Um, a new so, appreciation for life, I think, is the better word. A new appreciation for life. Yeah, yeah. It's good for like, like guys like Garrett and stuff and so much. They're all meeting me after I've, you know, had my children. Uh, you know, I'm I'm over fifty, so like, like I have a lot of stuff in the past. But that, you know, nowadays I'm just a, a nice, friendly wargaming guy who likes to paint my miniatures and yeah. All that. Yeah, and all maybe that. Maybe drink a little whiskey. Drink a little whiskey. Yeah, yeah whiskey matter. All right, so, so yeah, LVO, LVO made the decision to not go with, uh, to, to not allow, like, uh, Zinch and KO. And um, I think that we've seen some discussion now with, like, where Zinch is at. So, first of all, like, what are your opinions on, like, those two tomes? Uh, and how did you see that decision playing out uh, from your shoutcasting perspective and from your, your sort of, like, uh, you know, help with the organization, the logistics of its standpoint. Like, so I'll, I'll just start real quick. Cause one of the things I did is I made sure I went through every single list pre LVO to make sure everyone was bringing legal lists and the correct format and stuff. So I can do some data parsing on them and stuff. And I noticed that there were, it caused some logistical errors with KO and Zinch because War Scroll Builder and Azura had both been updated at that point, and so it was frustrating for people to build legal lists with this, old books. This is, I think, something we don't talk about. The mm -hmm. logistical issues of building your legal list for an event that says the thing you're building your list in uh, isn't legal, or is legal, or like... I've had that. We, I think we, many of us have had that happen, where we build a list that says it's legal via Azir, and we show up, and it's a, and it's actually you're you're playing with an illegal list. I think mm -hmm. the opposite is 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 kind of scary from a like okay, my new book's out, but this event doesn't allow it, and so now I have no compass in a yeah exactly or or, or like, yeah. people were there was a forced format of using War Scroll Builder or Azir to build your list, or specifically War Scroll Builder, but these people had to manually edit their War Scroll Builder list to match points to match you know unit uh sizes to match all these things because like Carrick acolytes could only be taken in uh, 30 in the new book but they could be taken in 40 in the old book and so people had to like manually edit to say i have 40 not 30 and then they had to figure out the math themselves and so people were making math errors i saw some guy was like off by 50 points because he just did his math wrong uh when he declared his total points at the end and so it, it created some awkwardness where I had to like go to Scott and like, Hey Scott, this guy technically has an illegal list or this guy did something that was probably not intended for his list. And so building list was actually frustrating because people couldn't use the tools that would normally help you build your lists. They had to do it themselves. And they had to also just accessing unit war scrolls. The app is updated. All the yeah. old war scrolls are gone. So you have to then go look at War Scrolls. So doing rules judging during the thing is frustrating because you have to find the old rules using physical books or old digital Even copies the of FAQs, books. Like, yeah, the yeah. FAQs are gone. So yeah. it's like that was one of the big things is I think there was a couple of rulings with Zinch where we had to dig through three different books to try to find the language on how a specific rule worked because that was an old rule that shouldn't matter anymore. But it does because they were using – old rules well th this yeah. is something that I, I don't think is being talked about in the the we should not allow books you know before the faq comes out or mm -hmm. you know we shouldn't do that this isn't what's being talked about is is this notion that the sort of accessibility aspect of your players mm -hmm. you know we can sit back on our, our talking heads chairs and go on the internet and be like we shouldn't allow these battle tomes until they have their faq 
But the practicality aspect of it is, is do you know how many people I go to a tournament and they don't even know an FAQ exists? Exactly. Right. It's, and then what happens if it disappeared? Oh, yeah. Right? Like, the Zinch FAQ and Errata were the large... Errata and FAQ were the biggest Erratas in FAQ leading up yeah. to the new book. And at LVO, they were gone. Mm. We couldn't reference them. So you had to have printed them out before the new FAQs dropped. So this is something that, that TOs that are committed to no books pre-FAQ are allowed. They could commit to that, but they have to commit to that, have those FAQs ahead of time. You have to be well prepared ahead of time, very yeah. much. And so so this of puts course. a lot, uh, an extra burden on the TOs, perhaps. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah. Because, like, I wouldn't blame a player for, like, they're like, oh, show me your rule. And you're like, like, I'm a digital guy. Like, I have all my rules digitally in Azure. I love Azure for that, and I, down, I buy every book in Azure. Yeah, but so that's why I was like, "Shit, Scott! If somebody's relying on Azure like I would for all of your rules, you're fucked." Like you literally, this happened actually last LVO. The Skaven War Scrolls were updated on Saturday of the GT, which started on Friday. Mm. So my buddy playing Skaven had his rules changed in Azure halfway through the event. What yeah. if you're like misremembering your rules because you you ground your games, you did what you're supposed yeah. to do as a diligent player. You, you got in like 10, 10 requisite games. I, I think five's the number if you're experienced enough. You, you got in your, your list to like memorize your scrolls and you're going. And then like the app changes because your opponent, that doesn't work that way. I thought yeah. it worked this way. And you go, no, 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 man. I've been playing this army a while. This is how it works. And then like you go to load up Azir to show them the war scroll and now it's different. Yeah, exactly. Like that's kind of what happened at LVO last year is my buddy playing like, he was using Storm Fiends with all Warfire projectors, but guess what? The new – he could – he was actually had to turn off auto-updating on his phone and make sure he didn't update the app because yeah. he, if he updated, the worst girls that he could prove his opponent rules would be wrong from what he was using because he's using old rules. Yeah. And so that's actually – logistically, I see uh, – it's, it's this one interesting battle where GW is catching up with the digital age and providing us with really fast rules updates – but then people want to wait till the FAQ, which I like agree with. But then from a logistical standpoint, it can be frustrating to deal with with how quickly things happen. It's interesting because LVO did, quote unquote, by like the uh, the Internet's sum- uh, summarization. I think you did. They did the right thing, quote unquote, not allowing mm-hmm. yeah, the right thing KO to be played. I, that's I think the consensus. Most people will be like, oh, yeah, that's the way we should do it going forward. Well, and I think then, what LVO did is they just had a flat three weeks before the event, anything released, not allowed. Right. So that and was their that's rule. standard FLG stuff for yeah. their events going for many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's it's it, whether it was intentional or unintentional because they had their hard hard line, it still ended up being like, you you look at some of the blowback from like, you know, uh, bigger or different events where they're like, people were allowing the new, Zinch obviously is the one getting all the heat, so we'll talk about Zinch. Like, all the new zinches being allowed and it's not even FAQ'd yet. Rabble, rabble, rabble. Like, and you guys didn't do that. But then from a from an actual like application and logistics standpoint, you struggled with it at the yes. tournament in real time. Yes, yeah. very much. And there was actually... Players, players are going to have a trouble with that too. I don't know about you guys, but when when a new battle tome or, or whatever comes out, I have to do like a mental dumping of the old rules. Like I'm not going to hold, you know, two different versions of the plague monk scroll in my head. Yeah. I only get to have one. I call this jettisoning in a memory. I'm starting to learn the new rules because that's what I want to do. And if it's 
two weeks into the new rule set, I fairly purge the old rule. So it's like with an event coming up, it's almost like, oh, I have to not even look at my new to make sure I don't confuse my mind going into that. Yeah. So, no, yeah, I, yeah. I guess, I mean, I feel like there's a, I think there's a solution, by the way. I don't, I don't, I'm, I, I and I think that the solution can be different per event. And it, it's ultimately going to fall on the TOs to make the call, but then you're going to have to do the work because players are going to be players. And yep. that's not as a, as a negative or a dig on, on being a player. I am a player, <laughs> you know, like, um, it's, it's, it's hard to hold them to hold players to a, a standard that is uniform when you have mm-hmm. these these sort of plates that you're spinning and juggling, right? Like, it's 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 difficult to do that. So that extra work falls on the TOs. Yeah, yeah well, and a lot of that is, is now, if we're talking, you know, something like the LVO, 170 players, plus, plus, plus. That's a lot to lay on. And on I'm a, showing up to drink. TO. I'm showing up but, to drink beer and play craps after the yeah. after the day, right? Like, right. And then you have my fucking War Scrolls get updated midway through the game, midway through the tournament, yeah. like... I, I fucking don't do you know. Do? Like, what do I, you know? Right. Yeah. But but on the other hand, most of the time, like most of the time we play in tournaments, they're going to be RTTs, one day, three rounders, stuff like that. And then, then it's a little bit different. Like, I will often allow rules the day of on an RTT, but then you just got to watch those players. Like, okay, you're going to play this the day it When you say out. RTT, real quick, define RTT for people who may not Oh, sure. Uh, One-day, three-round tournament. So that's, uh, I think the old term is Rogue Trader Tournament, but it basically just means a one-day local tournament. Okay, okay. Continue. Yeah, so so at our RTTs, um, typically, like, the rules drop that day. Like, for a good example was uh, the day that uh, 8th Edition uh, 40K came out, mm-hmm. I ran a tournament using the 8th Edition rule. And so we literally built lists between every round and so that was actually a, a period of time to allow for that just again to get people a chance to explore the new rules and 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 play with them, but that right? becomes the shtick of that tournament which is what's cool oh yeah for sure for sure yeah for sure but but even in normal rtt's like i'm gonna i may generally allow things the day of but for a gt and you know especially bigger gt's you know we're nowadays we're having people have a lists of middle date you know it's like maybe a week before the tournament and so we do have to have these rules cutoffs. And so even if you don't want to, there's that that window, whether it's a, a one-day window because the new rules dropped on the Saturday of the tournament or a one-week window because I you know made you submit your list a week early or in the case of the LDL, a three-week because we established a cutoff. It's no matter what, there's a window. And as Garrett said, your rules drop the day of, whoops, you have your app on auto-update, you don't even know the new rules are coming out, whoops. What yeah. are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something like, uh, I mean, a subtle change, like changing from unmodified to to, to modified sixes could Ooh. be a, uh, a huge, like, that's for me, where, like, I thought my ability triggered on unmodifieds or something, and then, or rather, it's, it, it'd be the other way. I thought my abilities triggered on modified sixes, and the day of, or a week prior, I memorized it a certain way. I'm like, yeah. And my opponent's like, and my opponent's like isn't it unmodified? And they don't even technically know because they don't play my army, but they just know the context of the game is usually things tend to be unmodified right now. Um, and then I go, I mean, I thought it was modified. And then like, I like open up the app and it tells me I was wrong. Now I'm like second guessing my own fucking memory. And I had, yeah, built, right? a, I had built a list around plus ones to hit and shit. Like I, you know, 
and you have this like fucking weird dissonance this this mandela effect of it really was a certain way or did i read it that way because i really wanted it oh right right and 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 that gray area and i and and this comes back to something we brought up earlier i don't think for whatever reason i i think we have the the lordly the gentlemanly uh version of gaming war gaming with Mm -hmm. age of sigmar i i truly love this caliber of player um the above less beardiness yeah (laughs) right um i truly love this caliber of player i don't think players who end up getting their rules wrong at the table are willful willfully malicious or or cheaters i tend to if i if it's magic the gathering i think you're being a dick and probably cheating but with age of sigmar i don't i think that most people do kind of get their stuff wrong it's difficult except garrett 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 is the only person might play a game of age of sigmar and get every rule right through the entire game maybe him and jeremy but yeah the rest of us normal mortals (laughs) certainly make at least a few normal human mistakes yeah yeah yes exactly and 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 i give my opponents that benefit of the uh, uh, benefit of the doubt i actually have to burst your bubble john this happened to me at a so i was playing sylvaneth Mm. and uh most of their spells require line of sight like regrowth where you need to have a unit sight to heal yep. and uh virtuous harmony need the unit of line of sight to recover and so i'd like i looked through and like most of spells required line of sight and so i had in my brain associated that summoning a wood requires line of sight and so i had actually played another sylvanus player and told him oh by the way when you're trying to cast to summon a wood if you're inside your own wood you don't have line of sight you can't create the wood and then like a week after the tournament i went in and i read it and i'm like ah shit I, I lied to my opponent on that. I just lied. To, I, we were playing a mirror match. Sylvanus was. Yeah. It, like, I looked at it, probably wouldn't have mattered, but I felt so bad. I was like, fuck. Yeah. I just, I mean, I was like, yeah. I, now, I, what, I thought. What did you do? Did you, did you have the extreme overreaction, fall on the sword, delete your scores from the tournament, <laughs> sell your army, quit the game? Or no, I just silently, like, I didn't, like, I didn't have. You didn't have a. I, I, I have been holding this guilt sense i'll say that <laughs> it's, i've been holding it in me that it's like i cheat I, yeah I, I i've been holding this guilt that like shit i told a guy a wrong rule so confidently i changed his mind and we didn't look it up yeah and i was wrong yeah fuck i've done um, that. yeah i've done that yeah, i won't but share that, my I mean, story i'm not ready to i'm not ready to out myself yet but but like yeah I've to, to mr to mr mephisto's point like we're all human we make mistakes like people get rules wrong so when you're having these things where you thought it was some way and then you look up and it's different, was that because the app updated or are you just adding things in your well, memory that you didn't know? The human, so the here, human here, memory I'm, I'm is I'm going to offer you like one that. real quick. So, yeah. you know, I've, I played Age of Sigmar as long as it's been out. I run, you know, I'm somewhere above 70 tournaments that I've ran, right? All this experience, play every week all the time. Last week or last night, I'm there for league night. I'm playing a thousand point Nurgle. I haven't played Nurgle in a while. I go to make a charge with my demon. See, this is why you didn't get sick, is you've made all adequate offerings to 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 pop a Nurgle. I have, I have. <laughs> okay, and so continue. I, I have to make a seven inch charge, right? So it's it's Nurgle's number, right? Seven inch charge. I'm like, oh, I got this. I I roll the dice, and I get a five. I'm like, no problem. I'm going to spend that command point, and I'm going to mm. re-roll that charge. I re-rolled it and got a five again. And here, here is where I got things wrong. I said, you know what? 
I'm going to spend another command point Ooh. and I'm going to re-roll that again. What? what? Right? You can't what? re-roll, re-roll. You can't re-roll, re-roll. I, I, I know. <laughs> so I rolled it. I re-roll the re-roll. I and got, got a five. Oh, that's I got a four. Yeah. So then I said, my opponent goes, you know what, John? You should have used different dice. So I pick up a different set of dice. I roll them and got snake eyes. And he says, you know what? You should have used different color dice. So I pick up the different color dice. I roll them and got a three. How? So five times in a row, I failed to get a seven. You were not meant to make that charge, my friend. Because I cheated when I re-rolling it. Nurgle was like this. Then I go to my plague bearers next to him. Got a 12 on the charge. <laughs> they had a three-inch charge to make. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's how it always goes. No, I, I um... See that that's fantastic. You this 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 brings us back to something that I I one point that I really latched onto when you I, I was listening back to some of your podcasts was you were talking about this sort of beardy play versus like above the table play, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so beardy play, I haven't heard the term beardy play before, and maybe some of my oh. listeners haven't. So you want to describe what beardy play is versus? Yeah, sure. Yeah, beardy play. It's it's the gotchas. It's the the, the neck the beardy rule on the edge more in my favor it's your opponent asks you how a unit works and you tell them one of the two things it does but don't mention the thing that's really going to jack is them the, up the beardy minute. the beardy play when i say do you have any teleport spells and they say no but they have a teleport ability you know yes they just like exactly they yeah yes okay. yes so so i i'm big believer i talk i talk about the above table what i say is when i play against somebody i want to win because of tactics strategy and dice, and maybe list building. But I don't want to win because I've taken advantage of your lack of knowledge of the rules. You're not understanding what my units do because I've pulled secret maneuvers that you don't know are possible out there. No, I want to win uh, like as if we were both expert generals, as if we both had complete knowledge of each other's armies, and then tactically we have our mind war, yeah. right? That's that's ultimately what this game is. It's a mind war between two people. Well, I don't want my mind war to be that, you know, I pulled a bag over your head. That's well, not a mind war. Yeah, and this this comes into that insecurity that did I truly earn the trophy if I cheated to get it, right? Like, yep. you know, like, no, I actually have three quotes here, and they're all by different people, and they're all kind of saying the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to start with Vince Venturella, because he's of, of probably the most notoriety or the most fame. Um, he said, I want to win because of asymmetrical... I'm going to put it in brackets, tactics, not asymmetrical knowledge of the rules. And mm. that was like, he said this to me on, on, on a rant cast some while back. And I just like, and it blew my mind. That is so clean. That is the cleanest way to say that. He's Vince. <laughs> like, right? Like, uh, like he's the goat. Um, like, I just, and it's just like. He put into words what I had been trying to say about Age of Sigmar for so long in a single mm. sentence. It was this, this like, like I I don't want to beat you because I got you. Like I I will get you with a tactic, you know, like you thought I was going to charge this guy and then I charge that guy instead. But I don't yeah, want to get switch. Yeah, like a little like I'm playing KG. I like I love playing KG. That's that's my jam. But, like, I don't want to get you because, like, I'm like, oh, but you forgot to roll your battle shot. You know, like, some stupid thing. That's dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, uh, when 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 uh, when John Wenger uh, beat me at PACA, him having his model within three inches, it was in 
plain view. It's right there, right? Pylon phase came, like, he fought me with witch elves, I murdered them all, like, and stuff like that, and the model's just, like, there. It wasn't that I didn't know how pylons work, or that I didn't know that I'm locked in combat with an, with a model within three inches. Like, he just, like, was was really skilled with that combat and those activations. Like, that he was being tactically sound. I got outplayed. Right? Like, that's how it should be. Like, And that's a satisfying loss. Like, you can yeah. lose <clears throat> under that circumstance and not feel bad. Yeah, not because bad. I go, I got outplayed. Next time I play better. Like, that's all it yeah. is. Right? Like, next time I remember that. Or next time I don't get locked into that combat. Or next time I pile in this way. Like, mm-hmm. that's how that goes. Right? Like, it, you get to learn the lesson and play better going forward when your opponent yeah. beats you honestly and above the table using your nomenclature here. Right? Yep. Um, yep. So this, this is what Vince said. One of, uh, and then one of our sort of, like, uh, uh, regional uh, Detroit Warhammer, I think you guys probably know Detroit Warhammer even in LVO and stuff. Like, yeah. uh, Andrea, she said, uh, I want to beat you when we both use all our rules. Like, and I think that's another, mm-hmm. that's saying this again. We're like, if I beat yep. you and we didn't all use all of our abilities, like, did I beat you? You know, like, we rolled dice for a reason. I'm fine with dice beating me, too. You know, like, I, I yeah. the dice beat me. Hey, man, it wasn't meant to be. I fail all of my charges all day long. You know what? I'm just going to drink an extra beer. Go play. Yeah, laugh game. it off. Right. Yeah. So John has actually commented on a way I play a lot, given that comment actually hit me. I actually tend to tell my opponent their own rule to my detriment. Yeah. yeah. I will be like, by the way, did you remember your prayers? Make sure you cast all of your prayers. Oh, do you still have a spell to cast? And like, we'll be in the movement phase. I'm like, did do you want to just do this thing real quick? Like, I will make sure my opponent, rem- like, does all the things that they le- forgot to do. Like, I will gladly let someone do a you know a hero phase ability in the movement phase or something, as long as it's not way like we well, can't once roll you back. Can't easily. extrapolate the changes that would have. I, I call it yes. the, uh, once the game state has changed, and that doesn't mean the phase has changed. Once yeah, it's the just game like game state changes, and we've started to like scoop models and stuff like that. Then yeah. it starts to go to a point where I can't reverse engineer it to allow it to happen. Like, but I if, will. If you just sippy cupped your witch elves, I'm gonna let you sippy cup your goddamn witch elves. Like, exactly. You know, like if you're like, about to enter the combat phase, you're like, oh, I forgot. Did I declare that they sippy cupped? I'm like, you would have been in range. Just fucking take it. Yeah, take like, your sippy cup. Yeah. So I will like, but there are times I will like actively tell my opponent, hey, remember to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Like I will like because I want both of us to use all of our rules. I don't want to beat you because I mean, the way I see it is that especially in tournaments, we have two and a half to three hours of play to play a game. That's meant to take five. Like we need, there's so much focus needed to play this game that you will forget things. Things will get forgotten. Well, the human memory is terrible, by the way. Exactly. And 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 we're working at a super fast pace because we only have, so you only have an hour and a half to play your game at best. And that's a three-hour game. You get an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So you have an hour and a half to play five turns, which is a hero phase, movement phase, shooting phase, charge phase, and combat phase with all the dice rolling. You get an hour and a half to do five of those. Mm-hmm. So people will forget things. They'll just like move forward and not do something like, oh, I forgot to move this guy. Over. Yeah, just go for it. Or it's like, I will. I want to beat you because you played your best and you did everything you were supposed to 
and that. So I like it. I like that phrase. We both play with all of our rules. It's right. not so much that it's like there's no gotcha hammer. It's that we both played without forgetting anything. Right. And there's and this brings me to my last quote, which I actually captured from your your stream. You might recognize it, and you can tell me who said this. Uh, I like to win fairly and honestly, but also like to win knowing my opponent played the best game they could. And this was uh, 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 Captain... Jer yeah, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy? Yeah, this was Jeremy uh, when he you were kind of running back his interview. Um, like, this is that, like, coach... Like, I don't want to say coach... I'm not going to tell you the best line of play to beat me, but I'm going to tell you the rules you should be using. Exactly. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not going <clears> to <throat> yeah. say you should charge this guy and you should target priority, hit this thing. I'm not going to tell you that stuff. But I will tell yep. you if you for you miss a rule. I'm like, oh, did you want to cast a spell? You still have a spell on that unit. Like, yes, exactly. You know, like I don't want I don't want to beat you if you haven't got to use all your rules. I don't want to beat you because I gotcha. I, I gotchas <laughs> on like tactics is different from gotchas on rules, right? Like gotchas exactly. on rules is like it feels like cheating. Gotchas on tactics is you outplayed me. Like, exactly. You yeah. held the camera. Yeah, I always say is, are you playing against your opponent, playing with your opponent? And I think that's we got to learn to play with our. We're playing a game with a person, not against an enemy. I actually had a I had a conversation with a buddy of mine, talking about how he had this opponent that he felt very much like they weren't playing the game together. And I like the phrase "opponent versus combatant," like. He's not your opponent. He is your combatant. Like you're, you're, you're fighting him, but you're kind of. You guys are playing the same game. You're not, tr like you're not opposing this like, him. This is almost like a fencing. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's almost like a fencing mentality where you're not like, you're not like, you're you're just trying to like beat the beat the other person. You're not trying to like destroy them or stop yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You're you're not. But it's also like from a from a personality standpoint, or just like. When you when two general it's a it's two generals meeting versus like two fighters meeting or something like that. This, like this comes you, back to the snifter of brandy thing where we're just yeah, exactly <laughs> like we're, we're all playing the same game here. Let's yeah. not like you know be let's not hate each other personally. Yeah. Like let's not try to like beat the other person's mind like personally. Like you're they're not your opponent. Yeah, they're your they're the other combatant. This is the know? difference between this is the difference between a good conversation with some back and forth and a argument right exactly or like a fight a good, no like an argument fight. i say would be a good an argument is actually a, a duel of logics but a fight is not a good thing right i i yeah, break it down i, I we're, we're doing semantics here but i usually go yeah. debate versus argument okay a, fair enough yeah. a debate is where we're just logically sparring an argument is like we're just i'm making fun of your mother you know i'm yeah like a, an argument is what you have with your spouse or significant other a debate is what you have with like colleagues over the best course of action or your exactly or... yeah so it's like I, this this game is probably i like when this game is a debate not an argument right exactly exactly yeah exactly and and th and that comes back to i think establishing some some common ground some no communicating what type of game you like Could, I you, you get a point you i figured out what uh, the, the words you don't want to beat your opponent you want to best them hey there we go i like that that's the oh, one okay. I like. You don't want to beat your opponent. You want to best them. Like you want that. to be better than what they are. You're not trying to make them worse. Yeah. And yeah. that's usually well, there's been a couple opponents where one. I have wanted to beat them afterwards, but but that's pretty <laughs> This is this comes down to my difference between being arrogant and being condescending. 
Mm-hmm. Arrogance amuses me, by the way. Like, I am amused when people are arrogant. It's The Rock. Yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? Like, exactly. he's arrogant, he's boastful, he's over the top. But there's a difference between, like, being that and, like, talking down to everybody. And yeah. The difference in talking yourself up and talking everybody down. Like, exactly. Being, being a good opponent means bringing the game up, right? Not bringing your opponent down. Yes. And I, I think this yes. is this okay. is something that competition, for the sake of competition, I think is one of the, the beautiful evolutions of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, it, we can uh, split hairs over where I end up on the, like, competitive spectrum. And the, it, it's, like a con, it's like a competitive spectrum, not a continuum between, like, narrative and hobby and all that. We can debate about that. But when ultimately, when it gets right down to it, I think competition for competition's sake is kind of a beautiful thing. Um, we used to have to, like, war to literally survive with our environment, yeah. right? Right. Like, every, like, you had to do that to survive. Like, you had to, like, the, the competition came from actual survival. And now we're at such a great point in, in, in human history where I can talk to people on both, both the coasts <laughs> from the middle of America and, and, and have this, this great conversation because we have awesome technology. And so like, I don't need to like fight Jaguars and shit. Um, but like I can put toy soldiers on a battlefield and still get that, like that, like uh, that, that, that adrenaline, that, 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 that serotonin and dopamine of, of accomplishing something for essentially accomplishment's sake. And I think that's beautiful. I think, think, you know, I, I, whether it's painting, you mean painting too. Like I, I need to just execute painting this model, painting the hell out of this. I have a, a concept. I'm panning towards it. I put it on the table and the guy goes, hey, that looks like Dark Souls. And I go, hell yeah, I was going for Dark Souls. Right? Like, I have I have competed with myself to prove something. Um, I think it's beautiful. <laughs> I'm the best type, man. <laughs> no, I think you hit it right there. I, I, competition is, is a natural thing. And and here we are. This is one of the things I like about, about Warhammer. I, in my past, I used to do, and I still do, uh, aquarium. Uh, former president of the Silicon Valley Aquarium Society. Spoke at like Monterey Bay Aquariums, different aquariums like that. But as I got more into aquariums, I started getting into aquarium competitions, which are photography competitions. <laughs> you need to explain to me what an aquarium... Like, I, I don't know if aquarium is some like weird... <laughs> like fetish thing where it's like suspe- it's like a bur- burlesque show in a, an aquarium because i know right? a little bit about you now or <laughs> if it's if it's like actually like building aquariums and shit where you got like stuff in it like there, so what is it what is it what is an aquarium competition like you need to walk me back a little bit and tell me what this okay, is sure sure so so an aquarium competition uh is generally like a photography competition okay where you are are taking pictures of your aquarium and mostly it'll involve live and the plants. aquarium is so not a is not a burlesque show it's it's live it is plants. not okay. it is an actual box with fish <laughs> okay but my point is that you know i was into aquariums Got into aquarium competition, international photography competitions, uh, breeding fish, all these things. Um, you know, almost anything you do in life can have a competitive aspect. I personally, and, and this is, I'm going to throw this right there. One of the reasons I love Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, all of these, is we're all general. When I was doing the aquarium thing, every time I would join a club, they wanted to put me in charge. They're like, John. You talk a lot. We're going to make you the president. I'm like, I, don't, I just want to kick back and relax. 
and, and I come into Age of Sigmar and Warhammer, and everybody's trying to be a general, so nobody's trying to put me in charge of anything. <laughs> I just get to talk to a bunch of likewise, you know, people that, that, that like to go out and do things and think and, and command their armies and all of that, and that that's one of the things that I've really found about, about this gaming community is this, this like-minded, like everybody's a general, and so we all get along as generals. All that, you know, I, I want to say leadership because that's not necessarily like everyone's there, but it's that that generalship. You want to take command of things. So, anyway, except that's for the fact really that like. John, you you have but been put in charge of running your leagues, tournaments, and running the entire and Bay Area scene for you. You know, you just been put in charge. I I, I can't. <laughs> my my entire life. That's like every year I was in school, I got made class president. <laughs> I never ran for class president once in my life, ever. And people would just vote. I'm like, again? Really? So, no. It just yeah. comes from talking. Actually, I used to do uh, competitive speaking, too. I got some trophies in my office from doing competitive uh, freeform speaking. It's just like I say, everything out there has competition. If you like competition, you're going to get kind of like, I'm telling you, I'm going to find a whiskey competition somewhere. <laughs> There are for brewing. I don't know about drinking. Um, no, I, 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 I mean, that, there's like competitive competitions for like wine tasting, right? Are there? Right? There's got to be. Yeah, like yeah, you get like who's the best sommelier or what? Yeah, but they're like all dealing with like made up things. It's just like oh, I guess just, everything games are made up. Sure. Yeah, I was I gonna just say, say, why don't you just do the same thing for whiskey? That? Because we're talking about Age of Sigma. <laughs> yeah, I know everything's made up, and the price don't matter. Uh, the whole. Everything competitive is whose line is it anyway, right? Like, <laughs> the points are made up. Or the points don't matter and everything's made up. Um, yeah, I, I, I again, I, I think competition for competition's sake. And, and my when I go to a tournament, um, my first competitor of my is myself. Mm. Like, I'm testing myself first. And I think that helps me keep a, a, a level head against opponents. You know, yeah. that allows me to learn the lesson in every game. If I lose to an opponent... I first go, where did I lose the game myself? And then I'm able to just respect my opponent, you know? Like, um, if I can learn the lesson every game, then I can... F I, I'm, I've i never lost a game truly. We This is where, like, you, you talked about, like, the whole, like, everything's competitive a little bit before in, in terms of that. And I'm like, yeah, but if my first competitor is myself, um, then I'm I'm always playing to, to beat myself, in a, in a sense. Like to to always get better, to always progress forward, and yeah, go on, go on. You've got you're holding your lips. Uh, I'm I'm just not. I'm avoiding any snarky comments. I'm letting you go on. <laughs> oh, uh, right, how many whiskeys are you in now? Uh, it's only my second, <laughs> but they were doubles. So um, I've got a couple of questions from chat. Can you read chat right here? I personally cannot see any chat. I can, uh, John. Why did uh, why did the guy who likes to talk do a stream with player likes and no casters? Because Shade I couldn't see what King was going Tristan on on the table. <laughs> That's what it really came down to. I went in and I was planning to like live announce and comment, and Garrett and I would have been yippity yapping. And when I realized I couldn't see the table, that's when I just encouraged the players to get talking. And from my perspective, they were. Like every time I went to say something, I had to turn the players down to talk. So, so that's that's how it came. And then then I got to do at least the interviews at the end, which was super fun. Actually, that was uh, uh, a, a pure joy of the entire experience. 
Will the army painter table be back next year? Probably. Oh. I mean, yeah. let, let, the the reality is is that uh, frontline gaming is a business, and I'm guessing army painter spent a bunch of money to get that on there because they were sponsoring it. Um, I actually find this to be. I had an interesting discussion um, with somebody about streaming and putting logos on there because there's this push to have uh, like clear objective markers versus mm-hmm. ones with logos on there. And I actually like the logos of uh, on for streams. Like I was watching a 40 K stream of the pro tabletop event. And I really, from a streaming, watching the streaming perspective, coming at it from a business standpoint, I liked that there was like the army painter and like, like whatever wargaming things these these people were able to utilize objective markers as a way of having sponsorship and when you're on a stream those those like sponsorship deals can help pay for things and they're just they're a great way to get eyes on things and i feel like it was a really unique and cool way to get sponsorship onto a tabletop wargaming stream and i really enjoyed that from a like competitive like t-sports kind of way well, I had talked to another guy who's like, it broke my narrative, and I didn't like that. You know, there was these logos kind of blocking the the terrain. Um, so there's it's a difference in opinion, but to me personally, if it's a competitive event and you're trying to push this like T sports narrative, sponsorships and having like logos that you can that are built into the game itself is a great way to do that. And so I liked that. So I feel like there's a couple com- uh, questions compiled here. Um, so, T-Sport, I did hear the word uh, T-Sports there. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a couple uh, things here I want to kind of circle back to as I was ha- exiting there. But from the T-Sports thing, so so you talked about, like, uh, I think we're on the painter table thing here, yeah? Yeah, the army painter table. That's where I was yeah. talking about. Yeah, that. so the, the army painter table. I've had people who love those little six-inch templates mm-hmm. that you yeah. lay down for a bit. I am one of them. And I've had people who despise them. Yes, and that's kind of one of the things I was bringing up, uh, is and, that I've... I, I talked to somebody who um, he hated how it broke the narrative. It, it like you created, you had this logo on here that like blocked the terrain and it did not feel like it fit in the environment. And I liked yeah. that. I actually liked the logos because from a streaming perspective, it's clear. You can see it very easily because it's um, it contrasts with the terrain. It doesn't blend in. And so people can easily see it from when you're trying to talk about it. And on top of that, it's a great way to throw sponsorship logos on that yeah yeah you could i want to i want to throw out there though that that i personally now taking the narrative and the graphics aside i like using the mats i have my own set but they do change the way the game is played yes they fundamentally change what's happening on the tabletop one we can talk about being faster just because i don't have to continuously measure measure where's the edge of my thing but i find that with those on there I toe in objective zones like it's going out of style. Like mm-hmm. literally having those mats in there amps up my ability to do certain tactics that I like with my my Skaven in particular. And so there is no way Skaven of denying to... that they are affecting how I move around the board. I actually have a friend who doesn't like the objective because he feels it helps his opponents because they are able to see if they are in the objectives. And he know he believes that he can uh, he ballpark it and measure himself. Yeah, yeah. So he would rather not have the objective so that his opponents have to guess. So, and he can tow in himself knowing where it is hidden see, as opposed to his opponent being able to take advantage see, of it. See, I'm borderline against the objective markers, but you just made me for them. 
because fuck that guy wanting imp, imp, uh, imbalanced yeah, knowledge. Ex- exactly. Right. Like, I like him. <laughs> like, I, I like the objective uh, contention. Like, measuring from the edge. You're like, oh, is this guy in? It's is like, he, dude, is your model well, on I just, it? You're I in. just round. I, I, well, that's where things I usually round in favor of my opponent. And then I but, like, yeah, I know it, it's saying. those times when it's like, I usually, I do too. Like, I usually round. But there's a lot of times where it's like, it's a really close, very important call. Mm-hmm. That it's like, or even rounding, like how if much do you round? To, if it came down to a single model, I re- I usually roll got, a die if, if you got me by a single model, you got me, dude. Yeah, I I, I, I should I should have screened better from a single model. That's where I like, I, but that's my first. That's my first competitor is myself mentality. Mm-hmm. Where oh, I yeah. should have been better here to not lose by right. one model. You know, well, that's, and nowadays nowadays we have the rightful ruler. I don't know if you played with that at all, but that, that's that advantage. That's the one that it's the augmented reality on the table. So you can place your objectives and you can only see the zones with your phone. Um, and so you can lay down charge lines and objectives and flanking lines. And I, then you see them through the augmented reality of your phone. But they're only for you. I, I um, That's really fucking metal, by the way. Fuck yeah, technology. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I do, do, by I, the way, I do side to measure tables. Like I'll walk up to somebody's table and drop a, a virtual reality marker on that table and do quick measurements to make sure things are legit on a table. Yeah. So, so I, I do want to, I do want to say, and, and I'm not, I'm disagreeing with you, but I don't disrspect the opinion. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, no no okay, problems. Cool. Of course. Yeah. And now we're going to go to fisty cuffs later. Uh, no, I, I do side a little bit with Tristan. Um, I, I, um, I don't mind the, like the clear objective markers so much, but like, I'm, mm, I'm still, like I, I don't mind the like the extra three seconds of measuring and then rounding in favor of my opponent, as long as like we've established the same courtesies. I don't think logos on the table is the way to go. That screams more NASCAR than NFL to me. Does that make sense? Sure. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I'm, I'm okay with like we all know what this game is. You guys are on here talk about. You should be saying the name of your podcast in between every sentence. Right <laughs> Like you're right. I should probably have a sticker. Yeah, on you should have like all over. It should just be plastered. We all know what this is. Like you know, like when it comes to like talking on each other's podcasts, I consider, I don't consider other podcasters competition. I consider them collaborators because we're all. Oh yeah. We're all pushing the agenda of Age of Sigmar as the greatest game ever. Exactly. As as I'm concerned. You know, and like you might say something that I I don't agree with, but now I get to disagree with you, and then I get to make a podcast because of that. You know, like we're all collaborating. It's not competition. <laughs> So that's the one time I... There you go. We got the... There it is. Uh, uh, so real quick, what podcast are you guys from? <laughs> oh, the Five World of Wargaming. Yeah. Age of Sigmar uh, segment. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, the, the thing is, is, is I, um, uh, I, like, we all know sponsorship game and all that stuff when it comes to, like, T-sports and eSports. 100%. But, like, when it comes to, like, the table actually having logos on it to where... Beca- like, even the NFL doesn't like currently put red bull in the center of on the 50 yard marker you know like even they don't put the fucking logos of all their sponsorships on like every 10 yard and you can pay for the 10 yard marker here and then like oh yeah the the 10 yard marker brought to you by you know all these and then there's just a fucking all these is the 10 yard marker like that's where i <laughs> so like i said i don't i don't disrespect your opinion but i do disagree with that uh, I don't That's think fair. the I tables mean, themselves should become a NASCAR like logos everywhere thing. I think the tables should stay the field of play. The immersion I do think is sacred there. And then, by the way, every single time a player's moving his models, just fucking plug 
frontline wargaming or whatever the thing is. Yeah. All the time, every time, anytime there's dead air, talk about your sponsors, cut the commercials. I don't give a shit about that. We all know what this is. We all know the sponsorship game is part of uh, being a professional league or a professional table sports game, whatever it is. Whatever the end, end goal is for, for people who want T-Sports, that's fine. But the, the sponsorship logos on the tables, I think that that's, that becomes, that's that's in too much of the game. The, the yeah, stuff and, that you, and this you, one wasn't subtle. That was that was a giant. Oh yeah, logo that one in the was center of the screen, and it was part of the issue for me was it was it was too reflective. Light. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, was reflective. reflective. Yeah. So if you remember a few years ago when Frontline Gaming came out with their fat mats, the fat mats have a small logo in like the lower corner, so you would still see it, but it wasn't you know there in the middle all over everything. So or like or, or having a graphic overlay on the stream and not the table, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I think that would be a better way of doing it. So you you lay the graphic overlay on the screen, just like the just like the first down markers in football. Lay the mm-hmm. lay it over the the screen, not the table. Like the table should be like the bastion of two gentlemen, like warriors, <laughs> generals fighting each other. Like, but like I don't want, just like I don't want I don't play sci-fi because I know how reality can get exaggerated into into sci-fi. Uh, I play fantasy instead. I don't want your reality in my game. You know, mm-hmm. like, not in that moment. And, again, I, I, I don't disrespect your opinion. I just disagree with it. And, and uh, uh, you know, feel free to, like, throw shade I and mean, make fun of me. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll say the same. I don't disrespect your opinion. I just slightly disagree with it um, just because, I mean, c- coming at it from a, a business perspective, it, it gets the most eyeballs. Like, you're constantly having those logos on there, and people look before they hear. Sure. Yeah. And so, like, having those logos on there, people, like, the ar- the, the fact that the guy asked, are you going to have the Army Painter table on there again, means the Army Painter's in his mind. He knows Army Painter was there, and the Army, like, it's, it's it just comes down to marketing psychology. I think having those eyeballs on there from a business standpoint is smart. Right. Um, which is why I respect your opinion. I disagree. Yeah, what about an over, do you think, a, do you think an overlay would be a happy medium, though? Like if, flash if, some logos over the table instead of like putting them on the tables for the players. I'd want to see it before I can see how it goes. Like I'd have to see how it works before. Cause like an overlay runs into other issues, camera angles and it, how it might disrupt the game. Cause if you have an overlay going and all of a sudden you switch a camera angle, could it be blocking the viewing? Like you'd, you'd have to do it smart. So I'd want to see it. You do it like I do on Twitch. It's just a transparency. You, yeah. You so I'd, I'd have to, yeah. I'd have to see it, see how much it impacts before, um, I could have an opinion. Yeah, and I'm, 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 op- that, I'm open to seeing map, it. And that map that they were using was definitely a 40k map. It had like all the yeah. lines out on it, 40k deployments and what have you. And what people couldn't see on the stream was right behind us was a giant. Uh, what do you call that thing? Like a wall that was, you know, uh, uh, a giant advertisement for Army Painter. Like, a, oh yeah, uh, a, a backdrop that was a big giant backdrop. You know, freestanding backdrop. It was like. 10 feet wide and eight feet tall that said army painter on it. So it was definitely a whole zone that was going on yeah. as far as that goes. Yeah. Like I said, we, we all know what this is. Like if we want to make if uh, I can see the point that I want T-Sports to just exist at all, right? Like we're, we're already past arguing about T-Sports, whether it should be a thing or not. Mm. Um, if, if, if we're already saying like, yeah, then we already know that sponsorship is pretty much the name of the game. Um, yes. Like we just know that um, even, even like 
even like uh, you know, pe- I I guarantee I've had people come on Rantcast that had that they've never seen it before. They don't give a shit. They just want to like talk about their show for a little while. Like I, and I don't fault them. Like you have, I have my agenda for asking you on the show. I want I want to like pick your brain about the thing, or I want to make a joke, or whatever the the case may be. We all know that's the game, right? Um, I just think that when the sponsorship interferes with the game for the players, like that's where I come in. That's where me, the talking head, comes in. I should be, and you you made a great point about the visual, like mm-hmm. side of advertisement. Like visual is yeah advertising key. exactly it's, right. It's 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 what advertise like people go uh, have PhDs in this shit. There are exactly. scientific fields for you know obey consume. Like we know that right. Like mm-hmm. um, so you're not wrong. Um, but I feel like there's a way that we can we can we can play the game of sponsorships. And still, just kind of protect the players, and that's right. And I'm, yeah, what's I'm, that, what's I'm open to that. Between too what's much the balance? and what's, not enough, yeah. right? And what's the and, and that's where we argue. That's that's mm-hmm. uh, sorry. That's where we debate. That's a exactly. worthy discussion. Yes. Where's the balance? Because yeah. if you and want, I'm o- I'm open to being proven wrong, and I'm open to other options. But right now, I feel like those hard copy um, objective markers or mats or whatever are the best option for sponsorship deals, which is where I think T sports. Oh, you could have, yeah, you could have like the, the objective markers are the sponsors. I say player jerseys. Like, but the players aren't being seen much is the issue. The table from, from a, when you stream a tabletop game, the table is what's being seen. Like when you're, you brought up the NFL thing. Yeah. They don't mark the, uh, NFL field. But the fucking sides of the game is all marked, and the camera pans on that side a shit ton. Well, then, we see the sides of the NFL so, a shit ton. So, so yeah, like, and then they're playing on, and then they're playing at like you know uh, the AT and T arena, the AT and T Thunderdome. Like, yeah, so it's like, right, right. but the thing is, is the way current AOS games are streamed, the table is all you see. So, so you can't see, we, can't have outside things. Do we perhaps? And it, I mean, is is the is the right answer actually evolving how we cover the table? Yes, I think that's the right answer. Right. Honestly, yeah, I, that, I, but think that's, it, I, I think we agree there. We need to evolve yeah, how we see the table. I agree with that. Moving back to the AMA, why didn't y'all have a table boss? Space, people, like we didn't have the time well, we, to set we up a table heard, boss. We, we kind of heard a yeah. little bit earlier that like you guys got shunted a little bit into your space yeah. from 40K. And I like, think it was a- hard to have. Yeah, it was hard to have a table boss because honestly, where the uh, computer desk was, was like, two feet or five feet from the table. So there wasn't really a point to having a table boss and we didn't want to interrupt the game much. Um, and we were kind of shoved in a corner. Uh, yeah, it just, it wouldn't have been practical, honestly. Uh, Elise, I do not have any integrity versus selling out. Um, <laughs> if you want me to wear a fucking Red Bull cap, every rant cast forever, I will. Red Bull, uh, call my people. Um, <laughs> like, no, um, yeah, I, I've sold out before. I was uh, <clears throat> I was sponsored in 40k by uh, LED lighting company, and so I have a ridiculous amount of lights in my armies nowadays. So we, we made a joke where we swear half the games he won was opponent was blinded from being able to see the table, yeah, not actually sense. playing the game. That yeah, makes sense. It, it was a factor. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Uh. So pit boss, you you answer the the table boss. Um. Was that it? the ama i think that's so. all i saw a... well done way to, way to handle the ama uh i saw <laughs> from the look of john's face the first time i walked away from the camera where he's just like you know like i'm like 
clearly, you're the one who researched Radcast. <laughs> it's a joke that, that this happens. Um, it doesn't Fair happen enough. often. I, it doesn't happen I, I, often. I did my own research. I watched at least at least the first 10 minutes of like five different videos. Now, the, the problem is, is I thought I had you guys pegged for a four beer uh, Radcast. Not hmm. an eight beer Radcast. So that was... <laughs> Fair enough. Oh. Fair enough. <laughs> So what's something they uh, that what's something uh, LVO uh, on the AOS side wishes to improve for next year? I think this is a good question. Uh, Scott wants to hit two fifty players. Um, the so the fun thing about Scott is he is a TO who sends out lots of feedback forms and takes feedback very well. He takes criticism very well, um, and so he's always looking to improve his format. He's always looking to improve how he runs things, and he likes to get feedback from the people who actually did the event. Um, so, as far as running the event, uh, they just they, he wants to hit more people. He he has some thoughts on improving the packet itself, uh, but overall, I think it went fairly well. Otherwise, for improving the stream, um, well, well, I'll tell you a couple things uh, from my perspective, at least. First yeah, off, well, this was my first year running this live stream, despite mm -hmm. any professional experience. So. One thing I did was actually pull down OBS and I've kind of put it into my software cycle at work. So I'm going to basically by next year, I will have mastered that software. I'll be oh, my yeah. second time going in to be able to, you know, now I'm not the guy they asked to do this. I'm the guy returning to do it. So I'm hoping to get a little more control over things, even even details like I design my own uh, overlays at work. And there's some things about that overlay that might make it easier to work with as the caster. Um, so that's where I'm looking for. I'm, I'm literally looking for feedback. I've gone back through all the live streams, all the audio, and I've looked at things like, um, you know, volume gain, uh, mic crackling, um, perspectives, interactions with the players, what the players have to say, when would be the good time for me to talk over the players, all these things. Face. And, and looked at it from a very <laughs> critical perspective so that next year can do a better job of, of that whole management. And, I'm going to go into next year, not just with my buddy Garrett and random Adon as my backup. I want to have a team set of here's my primary folks and here's a couple backup people in case people don't show and are set up and have a little more established uh, schedule. So that's that's what I'm looking for is to actually take the entire thing and <clears throat> crank it up to a professional level. Okay. So, so on, on that, I'll, I'll just put – I mean unless you have anything in particular you want on that. I, 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 I just want to say – I just want to say, if you need a color guy, uh, I have a, a resume. Uh, I'm I'm pretty skilled. Um, if you need somebody, uh, I, I don't worry about color. I I accept all people. Uh, oh. <laughs> no, I meant I meant like a color commentary. So so one thing you didn't know you were talking about earlier on when you were like, oh, we're both like this type of person and we talk about this type of thing. What you didn't realize is you had a play by play. You had two play by play bands. You need a mm -hmm. play by play and a color and. By the way, most proper coverage has moved towards like a three uh, caster uh, format because uh, you have essentially a stats guy uh, or a uh, trivia guy or a background guy um, or girl. Um, and then you have color and then you have play by play. Um, now, Age yeah. of Sigmar is played in slow motion. So I feel like you need extra color commentary. Exactly. That was one of the things that we talked about is that we needed that. I did this shit. I made money 
shout casting. I don't know if I mentioned that at the end. Well, intro, ma maybe sorry. you should just go to LVO and join John Streaming. Maybe I That's should what just I'm talking about. Maybe I should just I'm, sell I'm out entirely and wear a frontline gaming just <laughs> tattoo on my face. And no, <laughs> um, no, I, I uh, no, no, I, I shout casting is is a is a it's an art. Um, this is this is the the thread I've wanted through this whole thing is, um, it's it's hard to do it right. Everyone's got opinions on coverage, um, but it's hard. There are logistical things that people just don't even consider. Uh, yeah. when it comes to to hell, to our lighting was awful. The the normal like we had to use LED lights that to shine in, and that's because the overhead lighting we were given was really bad. And that alone, like probably, is one of the things that caused the the Army Painter logo to be such a distraction because they had to have these bright ass LEDs shining on the table because there was no great ambiance light right yeah we had no those sorts of things. light no control well you, you, you actually camera angle you, you actually have to get in like your own your own spots at that point. yeah and some bounce cards and like you need to if you're going to go in on the producing a table to where people look at the table and they it's pleasing to look at you have to have like a basically a, a cinematography degree yeah exactly to understand lighting camera angles and stuff like that and by the way most people doing this currently for coverage, uh, they don't have those qualifications. So you're learning it all in real time from your own mistakes. And yes. you can't fault somebody from trying something they've never tried before and then learning. We Somebody who's like, oh, this is my first time with non-metallic metals, and like, you're like, oh, like it doesn't look great. But like, they tried it. Yeah. You can't make fun of them. You can't hobby shame that guy. They, they put in real work into trying to figure that technique out. And it doesn't look yeah. like Vince Venturella's or 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 any of these like hobby Oscar Lars, yeah, Oscar Lars. Like it doesn't look like them, but like you go, oh man, I can see the beginning of a good idea. Yeah, exactly. With yeah. effort, and a lot of the times, all I want is to know people are trying. This is in, right? in my game against people. If you are playing a Cities of Sigmar list, and you're just like, oh yeah, I bought a bunch of hammerers, and I found out hammerers weren't good. These are great sorters, and you just like proxy them. There's no conversion attempt <laughs> whatsoever. I don't like you. Like you know, like I just I don't see the effort in your army, like and 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 that carries through I, I think every step of Age of Sigmar. By the way, don't at me people who are playing hammers or great sorters. Uh, it was a example. Um, so like I, I just to see to see you guys come into this like we're gonna do this shout casting. We're gonna do this, um, John. Man, you you I think you handled it really well from Thank you. my Thank perspective. You. Like I think you did really great because. Uh, we shared a, uh, we share you shared a story early on and i'm like i had that same situation where i'm just mm -hmm. day 2 it wasn't my day 1 it was my my day 2 for this 200 person 100 hun, like 150 person like that that big tournament for my first time where i'm like okay i've been toing for a long time now i'm going to try to shout cast and i'm like yep. my dude got pulled away from my event so i'm out a guy oh. who's helping me organize Ah, like, and then trying to like make something good out of something bad or something you didn't plan for. That's a, a big deal. And and I think shout casting for Age of Sigmar is worthy. Um, yeah. I don't think that any of us have hammered it out quite right yet. Um, no. there's a lot of dead air. Uh, miking players is a good, is a good, um, first step in filling dead air. But no. I don't want. I don't think miking players is the solution. But I, it, no, I actually would avoid it. Exactly. I yeah. no. You mic the players, but you have a mute button, just like we have a cough button in, in, in yeah. live radio. 
you have a you have a mute button for your players. Just bing, and then the players don't talk, and then the commentary talks. Because the commentary, uh, again, Age of Sigmar is not again. Age of Sigmar is boring to watch. By the way, I don't. Oh yeah, I don't know well, you know sort of <laughs> depending, depending. Like if if you're watching, if you know what you're looking for, and you're at the table, it's fun to watch. But otherwise, it's long stretches of nothing happening right and a bunch of movement and like if you have like two true gamers by the way at the table where we're like um you know it's like it's uh it's uh scorched earth there's eight objectives uh we both show up and we like look at each other and we just shift our models all turn one and we don't even move like boring as fuck there is nothing for the casual viewer to go huh like there's nothing for them to latch onto there but then like you have color commentary like like actually color and, and play by play go oh oh these guys are look at this they're posturing right now because they know that you can't score until turn two so they're just gonna set their battle lines a little bit better and uh you know he's playing against daughters of cain uh on calibran instead of hagnar they've got the teleport and this opponent yeah. doesn't have the tell and you you filter M- that making, information making the making the audience aware of what the players are thinking because yes, the players right. can't say it because they don't want to give away their tactics to the opponent but making the players aware of possibly what's going on in a person's mind so that you see the actual tenseness that's going on yeah. instead of the blank and you build, and, you build the narrative. and by the way yeah, you can be i wrong. gotta i gotta interject there though yeah go ahead, go ahead. having sat right there and we were so close like there was a point where early on we made like a, a comment not even a, a tactical comment but just like oh yeah this unit coming in remember they have this and i instantly saw the opponent like go do one of these yeah and like so oh, oh what was that and i'm like ah that, uh, and, I and, and that goes to my yeah. that goes to my comment of we were unable to do as much commentary at LVO because we were so close. We are physically close to the table. You need to be very much removed. Like at the 40 K stream, Reese and Frankie were like 30 feet away from the table. Yes. They, they were completely have, separate. They probably have like insane camera coverage too. Oh yeah. No, yeah, the, the so GW they, stream is really, yeah. They, the GW probably put all, yeah, exactly. All the so. cameras on this stuff. So that, I mean, you can't, I'm sorry. I think the top down look on a table is garbage. I, it tells me nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we need to oh, move yeah. away from that. It's useful. It's useful to have as an aim. Yes, but not your only angle. Right. Right. And, and they, if, they, if they I'm took one of our cameras at the live stream, so we actually were supposed to have three angles, and then they pulled one of our cameras like right as it started. Oh, that that's what happened. The that. other stream, and then the boom that they had for the overhead camera wasn't long enough and yeah. weighted enough to get all the way over the table, and so that's why you know we had this whole back of the head thing and i kept telling players like okay if you're in the middle all we're gonna see is the back of your head here so you know try to avoid that but those are like the details that i'm hoping going in next year not as again the guy who was asked to do it but as the returning guy to have a little more control to to at least fix some of those details and and i I assure you i've gotten a lot of feedback (laughs) so and, and I take these things to heart. You know, it's 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 like my mantra at work with my crew. It's like, you know, I hate to suck, right? Yeah. And so it's just about, you know, we all are humans. We all make mistakes. As you as you pointed out earlier, you know, going into something like this, we're not professionals. I don't have a degree in broadcasting, so I'm I'm learning. I have one course in broadcasting. I've stretched the shit out of it. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm learning as I go. I'm figuring these things out, and so there's going to be improvement, but. But you know that you're not going to achieve perfection either, right? And right, right. It, right. it is what it is when it comes to that. 
Right, and, and oh, we this, lost Garrett now. No, no, it's fine. He, yeah, it's a turnabout's fair play. Um, no, I, I, again, I think you did really well with what you did with what you I appreciate. That. Which, no, man, you you crushed it. Um, again, you had the voice for it. Um, yeah. uh, I wanted more of you and less of the players. It was like mm-hmm. my only like criticism from the whole. I wanted more of you and less of the players because I, you've got I'll take that to heart for next year. You've got sure. you got the voice. Um, I understand the, uh, so like with like League of Legends, by the way, uh, the first time I, I did the shout casting for that, oh, our yeah. tables were directly behind one team and the other team's mm. on the other side of the island. And so only one team could hear us casting. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's not like both players at the table. And so you're just like, so now we can't talk about warding at all because even though we had a delay from the early, uh, early uh, League the only way to like uh, shoutcast early league from a non-professional side of things was spectator mode, and spectators okay, sure. on a on a on a huge delay. But the the ward time was like the big thing, and uh, knowing camp routes and waves and stuff like that, and telling that mm-hmm. information was the mm-hmm. right amount of information for one team to always have an edge. And so one of the things we did is we moved uh, our teams to the opposite aisles, and so that they weren't on the featured places for the tournament they were in their like own separate like quadrant but that was like i had to fuck that up the first year to know that for the next year yeah uh, right we learned we learned by making mistakes. as always they say in gaming you know it's like you don't learn by winning yeah 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 no that, you learn the best lessons from your losses right oh absolutely absolutely like, so so that's right for me i i i'm super excited like i said i i and, and before I open my big mouth too much, you know, it's, I am not, I have not officially been asked to run the stream next year. So, you know, they may decide that whatever, whatever is going to happen, but I have offered myself to run it next year. And that was one of the, one of the things I should mention is, you know, Dave and Dave uh, are kind of famous for doing the 40 K uh, shout casting, at least early on. And one of the Daves on the first day actually came over. And he was there literally just like, okay, do you know how to operate everything? Do you, you know, here's my advice. Here's what I've learned. And so it was nice to have this guy who had done it there before just give me a few tips to get started. Again, that, that uh, voice of experience. Well, yeah, we got a, we got a great question here from chat gang. Tomb King Tristan asks, uh, will y'all be doing any kind of practice streaming? And if so, where can he subscribe to that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, we haven't really talked about that or anything. Um, I actually Get have on my, that, own, uh, my own multi-camera streaming rig that I've set up in my garage. So I've got uh, three 4K cameras, and I bring home my computer that I do my streaming at work at home. And so I've, I've created my own live streaming interface or, or overlay, as we call it, and all of that. And so I've done a bunch of that in my garage, but then it gets to what am I going to do with it? I just, it just kind of sits around on my computer yeah, and a lot of times players. it's about working out technologies and just kind of figuring things out. So I have no plans to do anything besides our actual audio podcast. And remember Garrett and I are recording the podcast every, every single week. week. So, every week. Yeah. so it's like between hobbying and trying to get at least one or two games of either 40 K or age of Sigmar in every week. Like my, my meta hobby is pretty much wrapped up in the the wide world of wargaming and our our, our weekly podcast there. Is it just like and, the... and, and I'm sorry, and, and I'm I'm really happy with how it's going. It's like you talked about having the the color guy earlier. I mean, that's that's definitely who I feel I am on our wide yep. world. Yep. 
podcast is, is we got Garrett, who is, you know, uh, an obvious genius, you know, knows that you haven't even engaged him with rules in this rant cast, but the man knows rules inside and out. My other two partners in there, Jeremy Vessier won the ITC last year. Mm-hmm. Alex Gonzalez, second in the ITC. Not to last be confused year. with the Alex Con- Gonzalez, by the way. Well, it's a matter of perspective. From my perspective, this is. From the my Alex perspective, Gonzalez. the Jedi are evil. <laughs> yeah. And if I'm going to talk about the Alex that was second in the ITC versus the Alex that runs the one of the major Age of Sigmar tournaments and has done it for many years. I don't know. What I really want to see is both of them. Oh, that's what we should do, Garrett. We should invite Alex to come onto our show with Alex. Anyways, so as I was saying, I've got two teammates, two players, or two guys on there. They're the two top guys in the IT. I've got Garrett, who knows rules inside but, and but, out. I don't need to know Jack on that podcast. <laughs> yeah, so you get to be pure commentary and then like osmosis all your information. Uh, it's exactly. a great place to be in. No, I, I think there's there's a worthiness to uh, to this uh, practice streaming for uh, mm. shoutcasting. Um, you know the the miners feed the majors, man. You gotta you you get your, you talk about getting your two games of of AOS or 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 forty uh, k in a week. You gotta practice your commentary too. It's it's yes. it's part of it. You go in cold every time. It's the the ring rust, whatever it is. Um, and you're already you you talked about having your 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 garage set up. Just get some like locals come in, have them play. Turn on your camera. You already know the OBS software. Get a Twitch. Mm-hmm. I'll help you set up a Twitch if you don't have one going yet for yourself. Got it. Okay, yep. there you go. Tag it with uh, tag it with uh, with Wide World of Wargaming. You know everywhere so that like it feeds into the stuff you're the work you're already doing, and then boom, just practice commentary. Um, filling dead air is the is the most difficult task of shoutcasting. Um, yeah, you you were able to pad that by having extra like player uh, chatter essentially, but like honestly, you got to have that like that's that cough button like we do in radio and just boom hit the cough button and then just like talk about something cool, you know? Because movement is again movement is boring. Um, sure, sure. You know, like and being able to like. By the way, one of the, one of one of the the things as a as a as a commentator that is is super liberating, you can be wrong. Um, yeah, it's brilliant to be wrong when you know a line of play, or you see a line of play developing, and you go, "Yeah, he's gonna do. He set this up," and you go into the, like the shoutcast mode, and you're talking about the lines of play that they have available to them. And I think the best intelligent thing to do here is this, and then like when they do the thing that wasn't what you thought. You get to ham it up. You get to oh, off the top rope. They grab the chair out of nowhere. You can, you can play <laughs> to your own errors of shout casting. Like it, it's it's that's what's beautiful about it is you're constructing uh, this sort of narrative around a competitive event that's going on. You're weaving this in real time. Uh, that's what's great about shoutcasting. That's what I. You, oh, I, I like what you're saying, man. Yeah, you're you're, you're getting me excited over yeah. here. It's a dangerous thing. Yeah, you see what he's doing, Garrett. <laughs> Garrett Garrett knows me well enough to know how dangerous your line of of discussion is right now. Like Garrett's sitting there going, "God damn it, John, don't do it. Don't you drag me in." He's muted right now. He's fucking muted. And, he, oh, and so we're, we're oh shit! Yeah, I muted myself. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry. Like 
what was great is like, this is something you're not going to catch in the audio format, so please go back and watch it on YouTube. But he was in real time pointing and his <laughs> lip syncing was up with exactly what you were saying. It was amazing. It was amazing. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah, welcome forgot, back. I forgot, yeah, I forgot I muted myself because I had to go take... And uh, so, yeah, a couple, couple of things. Um, first... John, uh, I'm I'm not scared. I actually am excited <laughs> for you to get into streaming because I know you, and I know that you will you will you, when you start something, you take it to the extreme and you do it right, and you, you never want to do yeah. So you you will only do something if you can do it right, and so I'm excited to see what you what comes out of your streaming stuff. Thank you. Um, I, I do want got a, a, this conversation just got more dangerous. Yeah, right. Because um, I'm very interested in the streaming realm myself, because I think that's the way that we can get people really excited internationally about these kinds of things. Um, so I do want to roll back a bit because I had to go take my dog potty and I missed some things. But I, I want to go back to things I th want to improve. Um <laughs> Sorry, I was reading chat gang, Mr. Mephisto. Yeah, no, no, uh, you're good. Dude. Yeah, it's his I, turn, too. No, yeah, you got um, the floor, man. Yeah. I first want to say that I don't want to, like, bash Frontline or anything. Like, we, we were kind of given the hand we were dealt. Um, and there's a lot of technology things I would love. Um, and so it, it comes to – but all that costs money is the reality. Like, I would love if we had the ability the to, The third like, camera. You know, the right. th fourth camera, even right, just like right. more cameras. You had, someone with a, you had someone with a steady cam walking around the tables. You had GoPros on right. all your players, right? Like you want that stuff. Yeah, I would love yeah. that. The, the other thing is like I would love to have on the the stream and yeah, like have that technology. Yeah, yeah. I know that I know that technology exists. I, I've seen the Honest Wargamer use it. I've seen other people use it, but I don't know how expensive that is i don't know what technology is required i haven't done my research but i would love that but the, the reality is is that a lot of those tools unless john brings it out or i break out my wallet and i bring it out it's up to frontline to buy and get all these things set up and it's it's unfair of me to say like hey reese just buy all this stuff for this aos stream that you're not running mm -hmm. um and so i don't know how to have that that's a interesting thing uh Hi, John. And welcome back. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think there's, there's um, I mean, there are two points here. One, I think Rob is more than willing. His, I, his like, modus operandi, his his drive is, is T-Sports, right? Yeah. I think he's more than willing to, to share with, uh, Rob from The Honest Wargamer, by the way. I think yeah. he's more than willing to, to share his, the shortcut, the mistakes he's already made and learn from i think he's more than willing to share that information <laughs> yeah, but my, my point isn't so much as like it, i'm wondering what sort of hardware and paid software would be required which means that frontline would have to foot that bill Fair and it's unfair of me to say hey frontline here's all these things because you are hinged to frontline this this is one of the detriments of being yeah. being sort of like i don't know, first party right like you're you're directly yeah. hinged to, to the frontline as opposed to uh like Mr. A Mr. Mephisto run tournament where it's just yeah, all on so, whoever's so I don't throwing wanna... money at me to like do whatever the fuck I want. You have to pay the piper with with yeah. Money. And so it's like it's it's Frontline's event, and so I don't want to step too much on their toes about things I would want to improve. Like I don't want to like bash them in a way. I don't want to make 
them like it they gave us a great opportunity and i really appreciate that they they gave john all everything they had but there are some technology things and hardware things that i wish were different to run a better stream um so there's that the other thing the other point is actually from a software standpoint i, I as a software developer there's actually a lot of things that i would love to do in a stream but they require some things and one of the big things is I would love if Age of Sigmar had consistency in mission and packet design, because from a software perspective, I would love to make applications for player-based self-scoring so you could have live streaming of event data to a stream. Uh, one so of the you big... could see the readouts immediately in like the overlay type thing? Yes, exactly. So for example, at the where this happened was at the Pro Tabletop $10,000 Atlanta open event. They did this whole spiel. So what they did though is they had the ITC Battles app, which was used to, to score ITC missions in real time. And ITC missions are built in a way where you score points over time and you can get uh, points in a... Uh, through secondaries and stuff. And so they uh, they made it so that all the, anything scored in ITC battles auto-synced to their streaming tools so they could do a bunch of cool things. The game they were streaming, they were able to show how many points people got in each secondary, what the current point was per turn, how many command points each player had, and they were able to give this information to the audience. And on top of that, uh, they had all the live scores per round by round of every game in the entire event. So you could have a ticker of like, oh, this table is currently 15 to 24. And you're able to see that. And then maybe they could go to, they had three different tables being streamed. So cut, cut to the other tables, yeah. Yeah, So, but it was cool that you're able to see live scores and like live information about the thing. So like in Age of Sigmar, I would love it if there was a consistency in mission and packet design like if we were using the lvo pack for example where they had a army objective a mission objective and a battle plan a hidden agenda and a battle plan objective if those things could be brought in like if people could just input that information to an app live given to a stream and then the the audience can see oh this guy took these objectives has he scored it yet like how many points does he currently have how many command points does each side have building a, a narrative like by the way, the exactly. narrative. Uh. <laughs> but see that, that that's the thing is I wish that there um I I wish I could build an app that would be consistent in all Age of Sigmar tournaments in the way missions are played out. <laughs> I know exactly. Like that's that's, that's where the thing is like but, when you, but you're asking like how things could improve. As a developer, I'm like there's an easy software I, solution. It but the logistics are impossible given the current play field. May I? Um yeah. So ahead. like it, like some of that doesn't need to be solved as a as a dirty curmudgeon uh, entertainer. Uh, some of that doesn't need to be solved by software as much as like fuck technology. Yeah. I mean, a man in the field type or woman in the field type thing can do that for you. You can actually have a human yeah, with a microphone like, go. Humans make and, mistakes. True story. I, but but when you're building a narrative intention in the moment and stuff, like it almost doesn't matter. Like. You just ah, oh, we're over on table three, and person's doing the thing, and then like they say the information, and then, and then you just input the data and put it on your overlay. You can do some shortcuts in the meantime while you develop the technology to get a better. Uh, yes, I, yeah. I I agree, you, and right? I like that. That's where I'm at, but it's like obviously as a as a software engineer, I want to have software. Oh no, I know you're problems. just, you're just like, I know, I know, I know. It's like I'm like, coming yeah. out of logistics, <laughs> and it's like I should be able to fix this so hard. I should be able to fix this with technology 
Exactly. Oh, crap. No, I no, I get it, dude. Um, I know. I uh, so I sh- I went for English lit, but I should have went for fucking computer programming. Uh, I built eh. my I built my own. My, I built my first computer when I was twelve years old. Uh, uh G a uh, GeForce Two was the was the sought after uh, hardware piece at the time. Like <laughs> to get, to date myself a little bit. I know we've come a long way. Um, no, I, I there's there's things that you're talking about where I go hell yeah you know like right. i'm just I'm, I'm super into it with like the, having a software that like it's, it feeds if it essentially feeds a second secondary program or a secondary run uh, mm-hmm. of the application you know in the real time but you can just focus on what you have on screen and just make but, that you want yeah, yeah but the other point is that it's like if you had an you could see information outside of the current game you're streaming you can get tickers about other tables about their sure. current scores going on and I I just wish there was something we could do with that, but it would require cooperation to have everybody want to play a single mission design, which I know is I, at this point never going to happen. Tuh, tuh, it's gross, I, disgusting. Why are you? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons I want a. Con- I know, I know. Design. From the software side of things. No, even outside of software, just playing in Age of Sigmar. I mean, we're so close. You're talking having... about the universal pack, right? Now, is this what we're? Yeah, we're basically. We've tried I, this I would, before, haven't we? And, and uh, yeah. just play Ian's got one. Like he 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 wrote a, a like a consistent pack. I think the quirks of Age of Sigmar are part of what make it so great. And this is uh, I respect the I, I truly respect it. I came in wanting the the pack. I when I came into, I don't think I changed my perspective. I think the landscape changed underneath me. By the way, um, I I came in wanting like a the same pack for every event and, and all these things. And then I played in like, I don't know, like eight tournaments in eight months. And I saw the flavor of every event in every region and, and, and all this stuff. And it made me a believer in that. Even like, um, uh, Jeremy Cooper in Texas, uh, they they have their Texas masters mm-hmm. where every essentially like major region has their own tournaments. And like, they only have a couple like vague requirements, uh, from being a testers, uh, a Texas Masters event, and then they let the TOs kind of like take over, and then they all come together as one council to elect what their Masters tournament is. Um, and I'm like, part of Age of Sigmar's personality, it's it's putting your own personality in your in your models in the army you choose to play. Like, I, you could take the most whack person in the world, they're still going to gravitate to one whack list over another because mm-hmm. it comes down to their personality. Like you could have. Uh, just like say Iron Jaws is the most competitive, just S tier garbage in the world, and then uh, you know, on the flip side of it, like Seraphon is equally as garbage over the top, right? Like in a, yeah. in a weirdo argument's sake, <clears throat> and you're gonna have those only care about winning LVO people go. I hate lizards, and they're gonna go and play, you know, orcs. Like I just yeah. I think that that putting your personality into, into into your army, putting your personality into your sculpts, putting your personality into your lists, taking uh, we I see this all the time in Australia where they they pick a they pick a unit that's just suboptimal by the numbers, but they fucking make it work for them because it's just it's part of their personality. Uh, I mean, I, I I've done the same thing. I take Manfred in my Legion of Night lists just because I fucking love Manfred. I just threw I know my pen. Yeah. Fuck Manfred. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, fuck you. I love the guy. Like I think he's awesome. I just I love the model. I I just I like Manfred, and I'll bring yeah. him no matter what. Yeah, no, I no, I understand. No, I, I, no, this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. Is that little, the personality throughout this every step of the way from 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 
from our models to our lists to the events we go to to the tos that run those events those quirks are part of what to me make age of sigmar so fantastic if it's by the numbers for me it just it loses some of that luster why do i like edh over legacy i used to play i've made cash money playing legacy by the way like more money than i'll ever play more money than i'll ever make playing age of sigmar like i i i i it's 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 the it's seeing people's personality in the game i don't know anything about you based on your deck at, at a magic the gathering tournament I have, I have no clue i walk up to the table against the average opponent i you're fucking bringing seraphon i go i go one of two things like this guy's onto like some new hotness i don't know or they really love their lizards like and, <laughs> you know like I love that part of it. I, I love the social part of the game that we talked it, about. It, it's a big part of it. And, and you know, one thing I would say there is that as a TO, that's also part of our hobby, right? Like, I, when I'm running an event, I'm exchanging. Welcome back, by the way. Playing in the event. <laughs> oh, well, you know. I had to take a little break of the voice. Turnabout's fair, you know, right? It's a fair play. I, I, Continue. You know, I'm taking, a, uh, I, I'm taking a break from playing in the game to run this event. Well, that packet, you know, the time I spend to craft that packet is part of my hobby. I mean, for me, even, you know, the time I spend to, you know, design uh, the Your custom award. lighted trophies that I, yeah. I give away at all my events. I can't help but notice a bird. I can't help but notice a bird there, uh, you dirty, filthy Zinch player. <laughs> no, no. No, no. That's uh, my... my tournament organization is firehead production oh uh, so, yeah look at him trying to cover up the fact that he's a wax each player fire helmet and then this logo uh, a friend of ours casey dunn's daughter uh basically randomly uh like saw the name of firehead productions i guess and so she just sent you know casey sent it to me but she s- created this graphic and uh sent it to me it's and i pretty said pretty great hey, it's pretty good. Like, actually. can I can I use that as my logo for my company? And she goes, he goes, yeah. She said, great. And actually, sent me an email with official permission to use it and all that. And so, yeah. So for me, it's it's you know building this tournament. By the way, these are I don't have any batteries in them, but they're all lighted. Yeah. Uh, so I get uh, lighted tournament trophies out. And then I designed the packet. And then there's things in the packet that I feel are 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 my way of sharing with the players things that are important to me like i talk about the above table game well when i design a packet one of the things that i do is i have a self-score sportsmanship so my sportsmanship is a series of six binary questions uh did you bring your rules uh did you print out your uh list did you play fairly did you play in a timely manner are all of your models painted and when you say no to any of those you subtract from yourself a point and it's up to six points which is typically a quarter of your possible score for the round Mm -hmm. so and it's always interesting because it's self-score so it's not like oh i don't like you so i'm going to give you a thumbs down it's you have people going up there and saying like man i'm i'm a really good player and i brought this hard list and this guy was a a noob so i'm going to take away a sports it's like no that's not what it's about but but people do these funny little things in there and certainly it it encourages like well no it's a local tournament so if you want to bring an unpainted model to test it out, I guess that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But you're going to take a penalty in the form of a sportsmanship point yeah. because that's part of my social contract with the other players Absolutely. is bringing 
that fully painted army so that we can all, you know, immerse ourselves in this in the game. game. Yeah. And so, so, so that's the things that, that, that like, I would not want to ever lose that. And though, you know, I, as far as I know, I'm the only guy doing that, but I'm, I'm passionate about my, that one that's thing, the right yeah, way to that do thing. It. Yeah, so, exactly. And, and then, and there's the thing is like, you're going to find a player that resonates really strongly with your event, right? Like your event mm -hmm. is the best event because those exact quirks that you have as a TO are their things that they like gravitate towards. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm not disparaging the hard as nails TO pack, you know, ABC thing, because there are people out there who just want that chess game of Age of Sigmar. Like I, my, some of my best games are against my opponents just playing. We're just like, I walk up at the table and we, we shift our models on turn one and I go, Oh, we're playing this type of Age of Sigmar game. You know, like, we don't, like, no one runs across the table up to the mid-objective turn one, and I'm like, oh, we're playing a real game right now. Okay, cool. Like, I, you know, I, I stroke my beard, and I point the goatee, and then <laughs> we play a little bit different. Like, I, I, but that's, I'm able to, like, personally, like, shift gears. Not everybody can. You're going to find those those other players. So I don't like the idea of a homog homogenized pack whatsoever. Um, but Garrett, man, I feel like I need to let you talk. You need to, oh. like... But no, I, no, I mean, like, I, I think I, I've said my piece. Um, I, again, I respect your opinion. Fair enough. I disagree. You're right, uh, right on. I, I mean, I, I know I'm coming from a software developer, logician, whatever perspective. I like the idea of consistency so everybody knows the same game they're playing. Um, yeah. And I, I, I just... I, like yeah, that that's just my point. I no, I, I would my, like a consistent my back. Counter, my hard counter no, to that variety of packets, variety of packets creates variety of meta. When you have the same packet everywhere, then the same best things defeat and are optimized in those messages. Uh, and that, that's actually and that's actually why I don't meta. like a variety of packets because I would prefer if we had. A universally understood meta. like a, a predictive meta where you're a like, predictive you know, meta. So we yeah. we could try to improve the game as a whole by understanding what works in the game, rather than like certain things perform well over here because these packets are this way. Well, over here these things perform well, and then you have these weird stats that is like, why is this army doing well when it does poorly everywhere else? Oh, because the mission designs here actually benefit this army, and right. so I would actually prefer to your point that there is you know a, a singular pack that we can have armies we know how well an army is going to do because the game is supposed to be played this way or i, I like consistency so everyone knows what's going on and right yes I hashtag like you, guys pack. Do a, you guys are going to do a podcast on this after the fact where you just like duke it out for who's the supreme uh who's the supreme uh, sadly we only have an hour for cast um yeah. and so it will cost we have other issues to duke oh. out. Like, oh yes, no, I'm, I'm on scoring granularity. Uh, uh, win, loss, strength of schedule, John. Get rid of secondary. Win, loss, strength of schedule, John. Let's get rid of those secondaries. <laughs> yeah, this is great. This is great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You have to and say, so, of so, all the wide world of wargaming people you brought on, me and John are probably the most polar opposite. This is awesome, yes. though. I think this is made. Yeah, it's made for great conversations. Like honestly, throughout the whole thing, and Rantcast isn't telling anybody who's listening to it how to fucking think. That's the. I don't want to be one of those virtue signalers. I, 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 I don't never, either. I like. I I have my perspective. I have had three guests of three different or, or 
it's two guests of, of, of two different perspectives and my third perspective. Pick out what you've heard tonight, whatever resonates with you, and gravitate towards that. And I hope that you just get information around whatever's going on. Like, if, if you like what my my elevated beer and pretzels vibe or the excellence of execution or the straight stats, straight logistics, like, whatever it is, like, pick what, what it is for you. And the thing is, as long as we have a common ground to approach... Uh, the table is a pretty good common ground with our, <laughs> our armies and our rules that are all yeah. written and we all like agree are the rules that we play by. Then you get to hash it out. That's the beauty of this game. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing I think we all can agree on. If you're going to a major, you need to be no exception. I'm sorry. Uh, you need to repeat that. I, I've said, one thing that we all can agree on, like I, I will come straight from a pure, like, stats everyone's got to win your models still need to be painted to a tabletop standard if you're going to a major gt i don't care like we're playing a hobby game if you don't want to paint your models like play a video game play chess like we play age of sigmar because we want to see cool shit on the table in the game we like look at this weird stats man just draw the line in the sand around the hobby yeah i'm sorry (laughs) like i mean like contrast paints there's no excuses exactly there's no excuses anymore all right, so so, I think we've got a great substantial rant cast here. Um, the year going forward. So this is kind of your 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 book end, but also your kickoff to a new year. Mm-hmm. What do you guys uh, expect in a in a year going forward? It could be releases. It could be tournament wise. Um, Garrett, you you kind of got stifled a little bit by us just naysaying everything you believe in. <laughs> What do you want? What do you want in the year going forward for Age of Sigmar? Uh, I would love if the release schedule would slow the fuck down <laughs> and we could get more FAQs to help clean up a lot of the sloppy language that came out of this last accelerated uh, schedule of books. That I... that would be my ultimate hope. Um, and then from a tournaments perspective i just hope every event gets more people like i just hope people realize that tournament players aren't scary we're not all win at all cost assholes we want to have fun and beer honestly tournament players do drink beer and eat pretzels while they play we just happen to win we just want to play in a setting where you have a winner based off some score at the end but like I, i want people to come and just go to a tournament to play six really good games like you're not always going to play against some guy who's going to just want to destroy you and not have fun. Honestly, most of the people there are going to have a lot of fun. Like go to Adepticon, play in their major tournament. They got the team tournaments. Go to LVO, go to Nova, go to the big events. Let's get these events getting big numbers with lots of people playing. That's what I would love. Nice. Very nice. I, I All I would say there is as I go through the year, um, all the stuff Garrett said, like they, I'll agree with that. I, I enjoy it. Personally, I, I'm a, I want to see more people playing and to build off what you were talking about tournaments, Garrett, I, I always like to say when you come to the RTT on Saturday, there's no magic, you know, super whack tournament players that crawl out of the sewers to come play. It's just the same people that were there on Wednesday for game night. Yeah. They right. just happen to be playing three rounds together on a Saturday. And so that would be my thing is, is if you haven't played in tournaments, don't be afraid. And if you haven't been to the LVO, then go and take an art class and see how awesome it is. Like, I'll tell you, 
I went to Nova uh, three years ago for the first time, uh, took some art classes, met Duncan. It was awesome. And then went back last year and competed in the uh, the championships and, and had a great time. I love so, that we have Duncan Unchained, by the way. It's It's been the best. Thing. <laughs> I, yes, Duncan like, is now Unchained. Duncan uh, Unchained. Small, here's my small Duncan story to, to, to go with. But I take the class. My wife and I take the class. We hit it off with Duncan. We're having great conversation. We're about to go tour DC on the Monday, and I stop into the restaurant to get a coffee real quick, and Duncan is grabbing his breakfast, and he goes, oh, hey, mate, what are you up to? What are you guys doing? And I go, oh, hey, we're going to go um, we have a few hours. We're going to go explore DC, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, yeah, I was I was wanting to do something like that, too. And I look at him, and I go, oh, yeah, that sounds great. You have fun, man. We'll see you later. And I oh. left, and my wife goes, uh, John, you, you realize that he was just hinting that you should invite him to join us to go see the rest of DC. And I'm like, oh, oh, you're I hope right. You he ran was. back I, in I, immediately. No, it was it was too late. Oh. <laughs> see, that would have been a perfect like, John story where you go to invite Duncan out to go explore and then DC. Just, and then suddenly it's 3 a.m. and they're all like blasted off their ass off good whiskey. Like, yeah, like, that would have so been a perfect John story. I'm so oh, yeah, disappointed. Well. I, I I've never been myself. more. I have never been more disappointed in a rant cast guest than I am right now. <laughs> I, I I accept that. My I, wife was disappointed. My friends that were with me were disappointed. Everybody was like, "Why didn't you just make that happen?" Like that's the whole reason we keep you around is to make stuff like that happen, John. <laughs> there could have been call girls. It could have been over the top. Oh my god. I'm he so might still be working for GW had I taken. I know the butterfly effect. <laughs> like. Who knows? No, I, I'm loving Duncan Unchained. Uh, it's it's great because like what I'm seeing is a guy who's just passionate actually about models, not oh, yeah specifically like GW. Yeah, models. exactly. He's and so like he gets to live his full passion now, and it's it's fucking great. And that's and that's that's really what Randcast is about. Like, what's your passion? And we try to align it with Age of Sigmar, but sometimes we talk about like uh, the uh, American Chestnut uh, instead. Mm. So, um, yeah, um, does, man, is there a, are you, uh, do you have any things to say about like pointy elves or sons of, uh, sons of Bahamut? Well, I, I mean, we're going to get 12 books this year. So really? you think so? Like, I don't we're know. Like, for 12 books? Like, we're, we're at two, yeah, we're, we're going to go 13. Yeah. I get these scaven right. never I, uh, like pointy elves. As far as what we've seen to me, they, they look like high elves. Like, which is awesome. It's what they, they want. It's what exactly, it's what people wanted. That the the, want. the pointy elves look like high. Yeah, Sons of uh, Behemoth is like people have been asking for a Gargant faction forever. So um, I'm happy to see Seraphon get a book, so we can finally have every current army be updated to yes. the modernized standard. Although yes. I would like to see uh, Nurgle, Daughters of Cain, Iden at Deepkin, and Legions of Nagash get that same treatment, just so we can get everything 2.0 rather than have a couple of 1.5 books. Yeah, uh, but that's mm. you know There's fucking wish pace. listing. There's a yeah, pace. like that. That's wish listing like yeah. crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean. I'm so desensitized to books coming out at this point. It's like, oh, look at these books. And I was like, all right, just bring them on. Just give yeah. me the books. It's a flood. And and like, I, I still follow 40K. So I'm I'm actually in a double oh, flood of literature. I mean, I, I, I hazard to think how much I actually spend on literature and books from GW. But I suspect I might spend more on paper than plastic with them. Mm. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that tracks. All right. Um, man, this has been unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thank you so much for that follow there. Um, <laughs> anytime I get my radio voice opportunity, I got to use it. Um, man, this was a blast. Thank you both for coming on, even though you're the yeah, polar no sides of your <laughs> your respective club and or uh, uh, content there. Uh, so real quick, uh, Garrett, if people want to uh, at you uh, over your dirty, dirty opinions on, on consistent <laughs> packs uh, or talk about how adorable uh, your your doggo is, uh, where do they hit you up at? Uh, I mean, you can get me on Twitter at, at gmulroney, G-M-U-L-R, at gmail. Um, I mean, I don't post much, but you can at me. I'll, I tr- I've been trying the new Twitter game. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm... I mean, I, I'm a sh- like literally. Uh, when I was looking up jobs, software engineers was number seven on top ten jobs for people who don't like people. There you go. Uh, so I just I don't really. Um, I'm glad you play the most social like game I can think of. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not, yes, but uh, I mean, you can find me on Facebook. I you you like you if you in wargaming, my Facebook is basically a giant wargaming community hub. Uh, but I mean, if you want to hear me, listen to the Wide World Gaming podcast, where I will be talking every week for an hour, uh, s- spouting my awful stat-based logician opinions and correcting my incorrect. I don't ones. think it's. Yeah. I don't think it's awful. I've, I've enjoyed. Talking I know, to you, Garrett. Um, uh, so that's where you, you. Honestly, the Wide World of Wargaming would be the about me. If you wish to hit me up, Twitter at at Gmulroney is a great way to. Uh, find me and talk to me. If you want pictures of my puppy, I will gladly send them to you because I go. have plenty. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And John, uh, where do people get uh, get at you? Sure, sure. So uh, much like Garrett, I'm uh, exploring the Twitter game. Uh, so you can find me at Zestuki, just like it says on the stream there. Uh, you can replace the Zestuki with a Zestuku, and that's my YouTube channel. Which does have uh, some stuff on adding LEDs to models, as well as lots of aquariums. I got a full Tool concert. If you're into rock and roll, hell yeah, Tool. Maynard James Keenan is my personal Jesus. Oh, uh, oh, I wish you know. I just saw them. I actually met. Um, <laughs> Did you get some catadocious wine? Yeah. Well, so so my my wife and I got to go to the sound check when they played the week before the LVO. And at the end of the sound check, they weren't really talking to anybody. But my my wife goes, you know, hey, uh, when are you going to ma- you know, to Adam? Hey, when are you going to make some? Because I really enjoyed some of the work you did. And and he like stopped and turned around and came back and like talked to my wife about horror movies and their love of horror movies and and lamenting how he doesn't have time to make any more movies. And and then he he left and did his thing. So it, it was. I mean, I guess I didn't really need him, but my wife did while I stood there. Going, I'm so mad. You're, you're, you're talking to <laughs> so him. Mad. Like, I'm telling you, this guy is full of just every oh, opportunity. How do we so become anyways, best so you friends? Can find, find the Tool concert at Zestuku on, on You can go to Facebook, and you can find my Firehead Productions if you're out on the West Coast and want to do tournaments. And, of course, the wide world of wargaming uh, is our current platform. All right, so I'm going to give you a last moment. Any big soapbox, digital soapbox moment, you got to just you gotta rant in your soul. Are we good tonight? Well, you can find I'm, wide world of wargaming on Apple Podcasts, Podbean. There you go. Uh, all the major ones. And we're not on YouTube because we don't do videos, so. 
and getting video on an adding video to an audio channel is a bitch and a half it's such an annoying it's weird to go the other way isn't it like it's just really annoying yeah yeah. So, so I, I will I will finish with my then small rant that just says when you're drinking whiskey and you're mm-hmm. trying a new whiskey, mm-hmm. you take one sip, mm-hmm. a second sip, and then a third sip blowing out so the alcohol doesn't kill your palate. And that third sip is where you get the true taste of the whiskey. There you go. Whiskey meta. You've learned tonight. Thank you, everybody. Good night, chat gang. You are the show within the show. Thank you for keeping us uh, keeping us honest. Uh, John Garrett, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, no problem. Um, thank you. Good night, everybody.